does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback out of Ohio State. Play action. He's going to drop the throw on first down. Steps up in the pocket. Taking a shot downfield for Nico Collins. He's got it. And he's going to score a touchdown. That's a 75-yard bomb. Stroud, shotgun snap. He's going to pass. Throws upfield wide open in the middle of the formation is Andrew Beck. And not a Colts player within about 10 yards of any direction of him. Minshew to Taylor. Jump cuts his way. Big run. Angling left. 40. He's at the 30. Down the near sideline. 20. 50. 10. 5. Touchdown. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Jonathan Taylor. A 49-yard gallop to Peters. And here's an RPO. They floated upfield. A big mo. The Colts need to take away here on defense in the worst possible way. Stroud under center. Unbalanced line to the left side. Straight give to Singletary. Breaks it out right, and he dances away into the end zone for a touchdown. And the Texans have just retaken the lead again. It is fourth and a yard for the Colts. The line of scrimmage is the 15-yard line. Texans 23, Colts 17, fourth down and one. Goods in the back left. Minshew out of the gun. Colts down by six. Minshew's going to throw. Caught. No, it's dropped. Dropped the ball. In the far left flag. He dropped the ball. He had he a first down, but he dropped the ball in the far flat. He could not bring in the catch. I worked too hard to, you know, just drop the ball like that. And I got to accept that. Chance, and that's okay. But it's still touching my hands. It's all good. Man, I thought it was, a, it was a great call. Great, perfect look. I throw it to Goody a million times over. Like... You know, it was just one of those plays. There's a lot of thoughts going through in that situation on the timeout. Um, like I said, saw the look, that play, thought it was going to be great. Got the look, didn't, you know, didn't happen for us. That's the season. That, that's it right there. And so castles made of sand fall in the sea eventually. Yeah, you know, Kevin, I don't mind saying that that's some sad sound at 7.02 in the morning. That is some sad, sad sound, and we'll talk about it here for the next three hours here on the Wake Up Call. As always on this Reaction Monday, broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studio. Mark Dighton putting that together. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. 239-1070. We'll take some calls today. We'll hear from Stike and Goodson, Taylor, Franklin, all the players there, Minshew as well. Uh, Kevin, you were out there. A good morning to you. Just a uh, just an unreal night. It looked like the Colts were going to be playoff bound and heartbreak. The very end, the final call, the final fourth quarter series. We'll talk about it all here for the next three hours. Good morning, man. How are you doing? Yeah, good morning to you. I think Nico Collins just caught another pass, by the way. Um, I know we'll get a lot into fourth and one today, but to me, that's the bigger uh, you know coaching issue, if you will, execution issue from Saturday night. You know, I I say this probably annually, Andy, about the NFL season, but especially in the last 36 hours, it is such a finality to it. And, you know, if you look at the results yesterday, we could be talking about Saturday at 4.30, Colts hosting Browns. 
And, and I think that is what the stinging feeling will be. I think f- this will linger for a little bit longer than I would have thought, just in how the nature of that game unfolded, the ending to it. Again, the fact that Houston now is your division champ, and they, again, are going to host Cleveland coming up on Saturday. Uh, that, to me, is probably what this January feeling is going to be like for quite some time. Uh, you know, mentioned it late in the week last week. These opportunities just don't grow on trees, and they aren't givens. Um, you know, when you even look at next year's schedule, and you look at the AFC South in general, you expect the conference to be you know, on the uptick, and the schedule's a little bit tough for next year. Uh, and boy, so much of it, I thought, was just sitting on a platter for you. And, um, you know, the reason that uh, I, I kind of went away from they've got C.J. Stroud, but they don't have anything else was because I thought the Colts would neutralize Nico Collins a little bit. They did not do that. And then obviously the fourth and one call we'll get to today. But again, just such a stinging, heartbreaking feeling to a season that had so much good around them. Well, I think that's the thing. And again, you're right. I mean, we'll hear from Steichen. Now, he's speaking today, right? In the 9 o'clock hour. We made sure to effort giving you uh, that sound yeah, on the back end. locker room clean out later uh, this morning. I have seen our guy JMV's been going back and forth with people this morning on Twitter, Kevin. And the only reason I bring it up is I think they're arguing about what is going to be the conversation here for the next few days, the next few weeks into the offseason. And that, you know, the Colts fans to a certain extent because of the last couple years going back to to Andrew Luck walking away during the preseason and you know kind of patchworking quarterbacks and being a clown show at times and all those things you know Colts fans are in this weird weird spot to where they're understanding that they weren't going to win the Super Bowl this year but they're also upset at the same time right like they're accepting they're excited about what this team I think gave them I mean this was going to be a season where we talked about they lost with dignity, right? They lost, but ah, Anthony Richardson did this. Shane Steichen and AR were able to accomplish this and that. And in the end, it turned into a winning season. It turned into where you were chasing a playoff spot. And for much, I mean, this is this is what hurts here. For many weeks now, they have been in the playoffs. If the playoffs were to start today, if we were 16 games and not 17 games, the Colts would be in the playoffs. And so I think there is this pull of, listen, we understand that this team in many ways underachieved, but it goes back to, good God, we'll talk about it for the next several months. It goes back to, why year seven of Chris Ballard? Are we having to be the little engine that could, uh, if you will? And then, of course, and we'll talk about it all three hours today, the final, I will say, sequence. I know the fourth and one play call is obviously the hot spot, and we'll go to it here. We'll hear all the sound from the guys that were involved, and I can understand fans not being happy at it. At some point here, I want to get to the usage of the timeout because I thought that potentially was questionable, but, I mean, Kevin, there's a bunch of things. You try a 57-yard field goal. Nico Collins doesn't get covered at all. I, I mean, throughout the day, and this was a team that, you know, I mean, so Will Anderson limping around there. It's just, it's unfortunate because it was there. The Texans were injured, and you had a chance to win that game. It's brutal. It really is. You know, and there's a bigger picture element, Andy, and I tweeted this out yesterday of, you know, for people kind of in our age range, this is the worst postseason rut this franchise has had really in our lifetime, or at least if you want to get technical, maybe the infant stages of our life. And, um, Part of that is a credit to the franchise. You know, certainly during the Peyton era, they were at a historic rate. But now when you look at it, it's nine straight years without a division title, and it's just one playoff win in that time frame. 
Uh, and 25 other teams, Andy, have won a division title in those nine years. Hell, everybody in the AFC South has won at least two everybody division in the, titles. Everybody in the NFC East has. It's been 19 years where someone different has won that division. So, so that, all four teams have. Again, yeah. that is where, again, this is bigger picture, and that's where the sting from Saturday night is. I think you can still have reason for hope and optimism moving forward, but if you want to live in the here and now and the present and the reality of the last 36 hours, again, that's where the disappointment kind of comes into play with you know how things ended on Saturday night for the Colts. Um, like you said, fourth and one is going to be debated endlessly for this team. Um, I do want to focus a little bit here early on the inability to take away Nico Collins. And when we did the show on Friday, Andy, I thought at that point Robert Woods, their number two wideout, would give it a chance to go. I did too. He yeah, ended up not playing in the game. And so I was trading texts back and forth with our Houston radio affiliate, and I'm like, dude, you guys have no wideouts besides Collins. He's like, I know. It's like a preseason practice squad group. And if you look at the game, Andy, Nico Collins has nine targets, nine catches, 195 yards. The rest of the Houston wideout group had two catches for 11 yeah, they, yards. They did nothing. I mean, their, this names, was their, their names you don't even know. This would be yeah. like the Colts having Michael Pittman Jr. and then DJ Montgomery, Jawan Winfrey, and insert your other wideout here yeah. as the rest of the wideouts. And Collins on the first play of the game, that speaks for itself. Uh, the first play of the second half, he catches a big ball. How many big plays did he make there late? How about that final Houston drive? Second and 20, second and 13, Second and 14. They get out of all of those situations with that. Uh, that is an absolute abomination of a coaching performance. Uh, whatever plan you had for Nico Collins. Hell, the first play of the game, could you have missed Julian Blackman right. more? I right. mean, how big of a coverage bust was that? And then you also had a coverage bust on that second touchdown. And I don't know if the conversation is for here and now on the Monday after the game, but you got to have a real conversation about the future of Gus Bradley here in Indianapolis. There was a lot of good that this defense accomplished. I think there are probably some personnel questions that are be fair that that, that are fair to raise as but is well. It, but is it just good? But that was the one guy you that could have beat, beat you. you. No, there, no run game Andrew beat you. Andrew Bag, Xavier Hutchinson, Dalton Eric Schultz Schubert, needs to have 27 Devin catches Singletary. to truly beat you. Yeah. He was the only guy that could really threaten you. And he did. And it was and not just the first play. Hell, take out the first not play. consistent. Okay, take out one no, for 75. He, he burns Juju has, Brents until the injury. Yeah. He still has eight for tw- 120 yeah. in this game. So, again, fourth and one, understandably, he's going to get talked about a whole, whole lot. But holy hell, the inability to take away the only legitimate threat, and not just take away, that might be too grand of a statement to make for the defense, just somewhat limit, somewhat slow down. If he's 8 for 120, if he's, you know, whatever, 7 for 130, you win that football game. And I think that, to me, the four-quarter ass-kicking that Nico Collins had against you, that is the big damning issue exiting Saturday. It is, and then you've talked about this quite a bit. And let's do this. Uh, I know everyone's got their take on what happened around the two-minute warning, what happened at the end of the game. Let's do that right after our check down coming up at 7.30 so we stay on schedule. And then the other thing, just to throw on top of it, and it even goes back to the end of the game, and there are a myriad of reasons why, but you did not get, you did not get good Gardner Minshew 
on Saturday night, right? I mean, there have been times, there have been games, you can look at the Steelers game to where, you know, he's played well enough, right? To where you've come in here and you've praised him. You've been a little hard on Gardner, Gardner Minshew, and rightfully so, but it was just a pedestrian effort, and I'm probably being nice. Yeah, uh, right I after think the you game, are, to be I, honest. I, I think right after the game, I, I felt like he, he was he was not very good, and that's the very beginning of the game, and that's all the way uh, to the ball that he put on Goodson. Uh, so, you know, the Gardner Minshew era, it comes to a crashing close as well. And it just stunk to see to see the Texans, and they are, and I get it, because of C.J. Stroud, they are a national media darling now. And to have that team do what they did uh, in your stadium and have it just, and I think it's unfortunate for the, for this group because they did overachieve. But in the end, when you get to the middle and latter parts of the season, as the season goes, the expectations changed. And Kevin, they did. They changed from being a nice little old story that would win four, five, six games to being a playoff team. Uh, and and you looked at, I mean, you look down the stretch, the Cincinnati game, the Atlanta game, losing three well, and, out and of I the last five. And I think that's what stings. Yeah. Right and, there is who you lost to. I mean, you I mean, lost Atlanta, to Jake look, Browning by three scores. Look how Atlanta ended their season after you. You lost to Taylor Heineke yeah, and now blown a fired out. coach and Arthur Smith by three scores. If you win that game, you're in. Yeah, it's done. It's uh, If you beat Atlanta, who that was their last good You've performance. You've got the head to head over Pittsburgh of the in your season. end. And it just, um, it, just, it just adds to that late season yeah. frustration. And, and, and that's, Houston... That's going to cover up the good stuff. That's why I'm Houston saying. Houston tried to give you gifts. I mean, how many penalties for Houston on Saturday night? I think it was 11, maybe even 12 by the end of the night. Uh, again, they were very depleted. That was probably the reason why I went with Indianapolis when it was all said and done. Um, and I think, again, that comes back to the stinging nature 11. of... Saturday night. 11 so, for 69. Boy, so many so, pre-snap penalties so many and critical penalties. Well, moments. They missed miss an extra point that could have been a big deal. For them. And, and that that uh, that field goal sequence that you brought up as well. The 57-yarder by Gay goes off the right upright, yeah. and then they come down. You give them a free and three points. Their kind of been in a little bit yeah. of a rut or a little slow uh, at that point of the game. They come down, they hit the 51-yarder. That's a six-point swing. And obviously that was a huge factor at the end. Uh, certainly tons and tons to get to on this one. As Andy said, we'll lay out uh, what happened there on 4th and 1, give each of our thoughts on that. Certainly hear from you as well. We'll probably take some calls a little bit later here in the 7 o'clock hour, uh, 317-239-1070 for that. The Pacers are back in action, Game 4 of a 5-game homestand. It was a real high moment on Friday and a real low moment on Saturday for them as they split a back-to-back over the weekend. Indiana and Purdue get home Big Ten wins. Uh, Butler squanders an opportunity after having a halftime lead against UConn on Friday night, so we'll touch on all of that and get you set for what is Wild Card Weekend and what could have been the Colts hosting the Cleveland Browns. It will now be the Houston Texans opening up Wild Card Weekend at 4.30 on Saturday. And late last night, if you missed it, it was the Buffalo Bills capturing the final division uh, crown of the season. Miami still makes the playoffs. What a sputter. They are going to be at oh, Kansas man. City. That is our Peacock game yeah, it is. coming yes. up Saturday night. $110 million. Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kills return to Arrowhead. So that is a juicy one coming up in Wild Card Weekend. Thanks for spending this Monday morning with us. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy right here on 93.5-1075 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. How are you? 
All right, yeah, let's dive into the morning check down from Saturday night. It hurt 23-19. Texans walk in. They get the win. And because the Jags are, I mean, a bunch of bums, let's be honest. The Jags are frauds. They lose. The AFC South goes to the Houston Texans. A tough loss for the Colts. Here's Shane Steich in postgame. Obviously, everyone's disappointed, extremely disappointed. Um, but, you know, really proud of the guys, the way they fought all year and battled. You know, I always think about this. Sometimes in life, you don't know why things happen, you know, uh, winning and losing. Uh, as part of this game. Uh, you learn from it, you grow from it. And, uh, you know, the guys that are come back, just remember this feeling in the locker room, uh, coaches included. We'll get to all the fourth down and uh, fourth and one stuff. We'll do that here in a few. So there's Shane Stike. You want to play some more of this, KB, if you don't mind. Jonathan Taylor, I thought this was a great clip from Jonathan Taylor. They just simply didn't make enough plays. It came down to a couple plays. It came down to a couple plays. Um, that's, that's playoff football. It's playoff football. When it becomes crunch time, you gotta make those plays. We gotta make those plays. We gotta make them. You have to. That's playoff football. Playoff football there are the teams who make the most plays. We didn't make enough. And it was a heroic effort from Taylor. Uh, certainly, why you pay him the amount of money that you are currently paying him. Uh, one of the finest games, really, of his career. Maybe even when you consider the moment, you can make the case it's the best game of his career. The coming back from the injury uh, in that game, uh, it was a special, special night from Taylor. And it was desperately needed because, again, after the first drive, Michael Pittman Jr., extremely quiet. Alec Pierce, zero catches. Uh, again, I thought Gardner Minshew was awful. And uh, your defense wasn't complimentary enough. So you needed the heroics that Taylor gave you. It was almost enough. And... As we'll get into here in a few minutes, he was obviously not on the field for the biggest play of the game. How, how many? Uh, how many times? How many times does a guy who gets downgraded to doubtful end up coming back in the game, especially at a guy at his position? I was can't think of one. When I saw him come out of the locker well, room with too. his helmet back on, it, yeah, it's very rare uh, that you see that happen in the Be- course. of Because a game. think about this: if he's out in that game and it and it gets worse, because you're right, without Jonathan Taylor, they were in a bad spot. I mean, some of the conversation was going to be. You know, how many injuries Jonathan Taylor has had since he signed the contract? I mean, that was going to be not the lead today, but that was going to be somewhere in the conversation piece. Instead, he comes back, he guts it out, and has just a memorable performance that's going to get lost a little bit in the shuffle because they lost. A couple hours from now, locker room clean out. It'll be Shane Steichen's final presser of the year. Chris Ballard typically meets the media either later in this week or even next week. Uh, to have his end-of-season presser, so that maps out a little bit of the early part of the offseason here for the Colts. All right, tonight in GameBridge Fieldhouse, it'll be a second game against the Boston Celtics, and the Pacers certainly hope tonight goes better than Saturday night. It was a season-low 101 against Boston. You know, Andy, I thought with no Bruce Brown, no Andrew Nemhart, I'm like, oh boy, Boston might score 150. 118 is actually decent. That's pretty good, yeah. Uh, Jason Tatum did have a huge night. Uh, but still, scoring issues against the teams with, with a bunch of long wings. That was there for the Pacers on Saturday. After they had such a historic night, Friday, 50 assists in that win over the Hawks. So two very different performances from Indiana. Again, tonight it'll be Boston again. We'll see about Bruce Brown. We'll see about Andrew Nemhard. And then Wednesday will be the conclusion of this five-game homestand. That is the Washington Wizards, twenty and fifteen on the year. The Pacers. Do you know any? Do you know anybody who did the uh, the doubleheader? Even though you you know you obviously couldn't stay for the entire Pacer game. Do you know someone who yeah, had the Pacers I, in the no. first half and went to the Colts game? I know I three. Not. I know three really? different sets of people that did that. Well, there were yeah. some moments early on where it's like you <laughs> wanted to kind of leave the Pacer <laughs> yeah. game. Well, yeah. 
early on it looked like, well, yeah, we'll get out of here at halftime and that'll be perfect. We'll walk over to the Colts. So uh, we'll see what happens this quickly. Indiana-Purdue winners uh, over the weekend. Indiana 71-65 over Ohio State. Rutgers coming up tomorrow night for them. Purdue, saw, uh, they sunk Illinois 83-78 uh, in Nebraska tomorrow for Purdue and Butler. You mentioned them earlier. They fell to UConn 88-81. Now three straight losses in Big East play. They have Marquette coming up on Wednesday. And college football playoff national championship tonight. I'm sure we'll all be staying up late. What time does that game start? 845? It, it says 730. Does it say 730? Do well, I believe that? Them. Hell no, we don't believe now, them. college football games go nine hours, though. Come on, we Michigan. I have Michigan. I think Mark Dighton has Michigan. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kevin Bowen. All in on the Huskies. All in on the Huskies. Jim Harbaugh <laughs> riding into the sunset to the NFL. <laughs> the Hollywood the story is Washington, too. Oh, it is. Yeah. Michael Penix, good for him. We'll uh, see. Mark, play the sound. That's tomorrow night, Andy. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, is it tomorrow night? Purdue fans. Oh, is it? Okay. We go Peacock doubleheader. Let's go. And you know what this is? It's a preview of IU Purdue on the cock well, it's a, it's coming up <laughs> a week from Tuesday. Easy there. Did I step on that? I think I did. I just want to make sorry. sure. Is that, that what we're, we're going to start calling? You don't want to step on that. That could be no, painful. No, the old Peacock action. <laughs> well, it's, as, getting you, it's getting you ready for Bills and Dolphins on Saturday uh, Chiefs, night. Chiefs and oh, Dolphins. excuse me. Dolphins, Chiefs and Chiefs, Dolphins. Yeah. yeah, coming up. On Saturday. So, Indiana, I thought Xavier Johnson especially, uh, very solid. Oh, they needed that win, man. On Saturday night. It's a good uh, win. They handled the basketball very well at home. And, again, Indiana and Purdue coming up on the road. All right, on the other side, fourth and one. A whole lot of debate. We have not touched on it in depth at all just yet. We will share both of our thoughts on it and start to take some of your reactions as well. Join us on Twitter, at KBowen1070, at the only Sweeney, or the phone lines, 317 239 Ten seven. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, later on, coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll tar- uh, start mixing in some of your calls and thoughts. 239-1070, 317-239-1070. Wake up call. KB and Andy here on The Fan. We'll get to some Shane Steichen sound here. Uh, Tyler Goodson will get to their sound here coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's go back and forth. Obviously, the conversation coming from Saturday night, all day Sunday, and into today will be the end of the game. We'll be the fourth down call using the timeout, fourth and one. It was going to come down to that. And Jonathan Taylor not in the game despite despite uh, having the timeout there. Kevin, let's start with you. What did you make of it? You know, this is obviously the number one conversation piece coming from the weekend is the call at the end of the game, and we'll hear from Steichen here in a minute. Yeah, I'm sitting next to Mike Chappell, and I see them huddle up after the timeout, and I notice Tyler Goodson is in there. And I say to Chap, I'm like, oh, wow, Goodson's in there. I, and it said something to the effect of, like, I assume Taylor will be in the huddle as well. You know, there are moments in the game, I think they ran, like, screens to each of them. Sure. I think they threw it to Taylor. Yeah, sure. um, and then all of a sudden, I looked towards the sideline, and I saw Taylor 
on the sideline, and I was like, whoa, are they really not going to have Taylor on the field? You know, I, I, I am not this, like, this guy must get the football in that situation, but, you know, even as a decoy, I was a little surprised by that, and, you know, how I view this situation is this. If I'm Shane Steichen, I want to be in control as much as possible. You can be in control with the personnel you decide to put on the floor, uh, on the uh, field. You can be in control on the play call. Uh, obviously, once the play starts, you're out of control. Um, I want to go down swinging with my horses. Who are your horses? Jonathan Taylor was a Kentucky Derby Triple Crown winner on Saturday night. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is a horse. Josh Downs, I think, has proven in critical moments that he deserves a touch, even as a rookie. Uh, I would argue that the second-highest-paid offensive line in all of football could be that as well, as they started to lean on Houston a little bit more in the second half. Um, And basically, in saying that you were going to put your season in the hands of Gardner Minshew and Tyler Goodson, Andy, you brought more risk to the table than you needed to. Spot on. You brought two backups into the most pressure-packed situation of the entire season, and you needed both of them to execute. It wasn't just one backup. You need, and honestly, calling Goodson a backup might be a compliment. Uh, I know there's no way to describe Tyler Goodson, who, by the way, I thought handled everything post game beautifully. Felt awful for the kid, um, but he's a practice squad guy. Uh, he's really not even a backup. And so you're saying to both of those dudes, we need you, especially after a timeout when the pressure even rises more. You, 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 you have an extra minute or two to think about. Things. Everyone knows it's coming down to this play. Oh, believe you, like, you get the first down, you keep it going. You don't get the first down, the game's over. They're kneeling it down. Shane yeah. saying like this is on us. Yeah, to make this execute. A um, couple other issues I had in that moment, Andy. It's not like you were writing the hot hand. You know, sometimes maybe late in a basketball game, you deviate from the star player because, you know, whatever, the sharpshooters hit a couple threes. This was not that. Do you recall the one pass Gardner Minshew threw to Tyler Goodson in the game before? I don't. The final play no, of the game? I had to go back and, and, and see. I, I remember seeing him in the game, but I don't remember, remember uh, anything that happened with him during the game until then. It was right. also in the red zone. It was on the opposite side yeah. of the field, but in that direction. And that pass was high and outside, no chance for Goodson to catch it. The ball that Minshew threw to him there on fourth and one, I think you could call it low and inside. Low and inside, So it's right. a big contrast from what he threw earlier. And again, I've said so far throughout the show, I would call Saturday night one of Gardner Minshew's worst games of his career. He was a 54% passer in that game, Andy. It's not like he was attempting Hail Marys every single time he dropped back. So you had a guy that was vastly inexperienced in Goodson, Six career catches. You had a guy that, from an ability standpoint in Minshew, was not good whatsoever. And you're saying with the season on the line, two backups that had been either playing poorly or not been used to that moment, here you go. And again, with that, you bring risk. And what does that mean? You're going to throw them in there. There's an opportunity for an errant throw. There's an opportunity for a drop. There's nerves that come into play more so than if, Taylor gets the ball, or Pittman makes the fourth down play like he's made so often this season, or Josh Downs seals the game like he had in various points of this year. I was thinking to myself during the timeout, rub route, Pittman and, and, and Downs, two very different body types, two guys you trust, whoever's open, boom. How about Taylor and Moss 
in the backfield together. Maybe it's one of those you fake to Taylor right, and pitch the ma- other way. Moss yeah. on the fullback yeah. dive, and now you're behind Nelson and behind Kelly, and it's de- a depleted Houston D line, especially in the interior that you're running at. Those were some of the thoughts that I had in that moment there. Instead, uh, it was a backup quarterback, an undrafted practice squad player, and you put all of your eggs in that basket after the timeout. Uh, it was bad clock management, which I know you probably want to. Uh, harp on a little bit more, uh, and it was just too much risk for me in that moment. I'm not saying Taylor 1,000% needed the football. He needed to be on the field, and you had many, many more other reliable options that give you more of a safety net, more of a security than saying, here you go, two backups. I need one of you to throw it accurately, the other you to catch it and be put in situations that you've never been put in in the NFL. Let me ask you, let me just ask you this before we continue. If it would have been JT out of the game, but Zach Moss out in the flat, how would you have felt? Just take Goodson out of it. It's Zach Moss, who obviously played in the game early in the season. He made some nice catches. So right. much we're like, damn, I didn't know he could catch the ball like that. I'm just asking because the Goodson makes it pretty black or white that they should not have left the season in Tyler Goodson's hands, period. Right. I, I no just, one buys that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have loved Moss, but... I, You're more accepting of I it. I think we fall into this trap so time where you hear coaches after a game say, we have full belief in our players. I think that is such a BS comment. That's not reality. There's a reason why some players play more than others. There's a reason why Nico Collins gets nine targets in the game and all those other Houston wideouts nobody's heard of don't get nine targets in a game. Um, Shane even said it late in the press conference. He said late in that presser, Andy, this league is all about the players. If that's the case, then why wasn't it players over plays in that moment? He opted for plays over players. And to me, again, Should Taylor have been in there? Was he a little hobbled? Okay, I can listen to some of that, but there are plenty of options between Taylor and Goodson that offer you more of a security, eliminate some of that risk in there. So I thought in that moment, it was a mistake by Shane Steichen to put all of his eggs in the basket of a backup quarterback and a practice squad running back who had just had an incredibly errant throw and target earlier in the game to theoretically win the game. Well, I, I did love after the game, they're like, you know, they made it a point to tell us that they practiced that play. And I'm like, well, I hope you practiced that play. And go, I'll add this ahead. to that comment. <laughs> um, I asked Jonathan Taylor specifically. I said to Taylor at the end of his scrum, and, and I, I don't know, maybe some people don't care about this, but I thought everybody, I thought Taylor, I thought Goodson, I thought, you know, Shane even, Minshew, I thought they all handled things very well post game. But I said to Taylor, did you specifically practice that play in practice? And he said, yes. He said that yeah. he, along with all of the running backs, practice that play in in practice. But instead, a guy with six career catches who, you know, has never been in that moment. Forty some like, odd there's a re- you know, again, yeah. and there's no way I say this, Andy, without it coming as a shot at, at Tyler Goodson. There's a reason why he was undrafted. I mean, he was a four four forty yard dash guy at Iowa. I think Big Ten fans will remember his name. He was highly productive at Iowa. Those guys don't go undrafted. Why do they go? Undrafted because there's inconsistencies to their game. So when you put them in those moments, what you're saying is you're running the risk of inconsistency. And that's exactly what happened. I knew they were going to throw the ball uh, when they went. Here's what I think happened. On third down, uh, what was it, third and two? On, On third down there, KB, I think they thought that they could get the first down there. 
That's what I think. I thought it would be close, but I think Steichen thought, I'm going to get this first down, and then we're then I'm going to have my timeouts, and then it's going to be first and 10 at the 13-yard the line, the 12-yard line, the 14-yard line, and we're going to be able to take a deep breath, get into what we want, but let's just get this first down by going to Jonathan Taylor. And I knew they were going to throw the ball when they went to timeout, which I want to get to here in just a second. I knew they were going to throw the ball. And what I thought they were going to do, what I thought they were going to do was, you know how they've done like the little fake plays where a tight end sneaks out? They've done a lot like, you know, two-point conversions and stuff. You know, Granson sneaks out. Sure. It's yeah. just an uh-huh. easy little dump-off pass, and he gets four yards. Right. That's that's the type of play that I thought they were going to they do. They ran a fourth down against the Raiders, whereas Pittman and Granson on a rub route. Pittman yeah, was the guy exactly, that caught exactly. it on that play. I thought we've seen so much of that from Steichen that I thought it was going to be a variation of that play. I don't... And, you know, could have even been a you know Granson or someone like that. So that that that's where my brain went. And of course, listen, I I, I understand that you try to believe in, on everyone on the fifty three and everyone's out there practicing. But there is a difference between Goodson and the other options. And it's not like the other options were just Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor. It was all the guys that you mentioned. So I even throw into the, well, I mean, a lot of people are just talking about running backs. Well, you have to have Taylor on. I agree with that. But you also had all these other options uh, that for the entire season have been passing or have been catching passes for you. So listen, I am, I am, there are fans that are downright angry at the fourth down call. I, I'm I don't I don't like it, but I'm not as angry as some fans are. What I don't like are all the things leading up to that. Okay, so just give me a second on it. Um I, I believe if you're a football fan, media gas bag, you're a fan, you're a coach, there are like cores that you believe in. And I put this on Twitter yesterday. I am a believer in giving yourself options and giving yourself options at the end. And it might be a loser attitude. It might be a defeatist attitude. But point of, part of that is if you don't get this fourth down to, to, to give yourself a chance. And Shane Steichen failed to do that in two instances. Number one, they, they run a play. On third down, or the, the the yeah the third down play ended with a minute forty three on the clock. There's a lot of time left. Okay, a minute forty three on the clock. They ran it down and then took the timeout all the way to one oh six. And again, the the time isn't a big deal if you have the conversion there, right? In fact, you want to run time. In fact, I'm yelling at Jonathan Taylor on first down not to go out of bounds because I'm thinking, yo, you don't want to kick a field goal here or something, or you don't want to score and give C.J. Stroud 50 seconds on the clock. Yeah, was he favoring that ankle going out of bounds a couple times early? Well, I mean, the first down play, I wrote it down, the first down play, he went out of bounds, and he got about two yards, and if he would have put his left foot down and turned up that's the Jonathan Taylor we know right. okay that's the stud he's running back forward he's getting another that's, yard or that's two that's the yeah. stud uh-huh. running back that we know to me that was a mistake the second down run he didn't have nearly as much I, i'm not as hot takey about him going out of bounds but Shane Steichen took away an option at the end of the game by calling that timeout 
And that's why I think he thought he was going to run the inside run play to Taylor on third down, and he was going to lean forward, and on third and two, KB, he was going to get two and a half, three yards, and then you would have a minute 40, and you know clock would be running, you'd have three timeouts, and you could settle everyone down. But by using his timeout there, essentially, it brings it down to just one play. And I am a firm believer in you got to save the timeout there. Okay, so you're not going to save the timeout there. You're going to call the timeout. Well, then don't burn 37 seconds off the clock because the game ends with you punting it away and having, I mean, there would have been maybe 20 seconds, 30 seconds on the clock. Was Gardner Minshew going to go the length of the field? Uh, Probably not. Probably not. But again, there are just, to me, a couple opportunities where Shane Sykin had to think ahead a little bit. Instead, you burn your timeout, you drop 37 seconds off the clock. Okay, great. What's our fourth down call? Minshew to Goodson, and that's where fans are looking at all three of those decisions, and they're not liking any of them. Just to clarify the reason why Shane Sykin said that he took the timeout, he's wanted to see the look from Houston, and you know he felt like they would be in a man coverage look, which they were um, to that point. I, I would just say a couple things to add to that, Andy, and I'll echo what I said to open up the show. There was a reason why, and I think you and I were both on the same page, but I definitely did not want to bring up fourth and one early in the show. My bigger coaching issue, the four-quarter issue from Sunday or Saturday night, is allowing Nico no, Collins no about to it. look like a yeah. first ballot Hall of Famer. No doubt about so, it. So, like, I, I want to make that clear. We're going to focus on fourth and one here because, again, it is the hot-button topic. It's what everybody's talking about. But I want to make sure that our listeners walk no. away from no, it and right. realize that was an absolute joke by Gus Bradley and the personnel on the defensive side of the ball that the only threat for Houston absolutely torched you and roasted you from the first play until the final drive of that game. Now, back to fourth and one. (laughs) You're right with Nico Collins. I mean, I think people agree with you. I think the takes that we're giving on fourth down and the end of the game and perhaps even the 57-yard field goal and feeling bad for Goodson, even though he should not have been put in that position, and Nico Collins burning Juju Brents and everybody else. Like, I think the Colts fans are, I I think, in unison with the analysis of the game. Would you agree with that for the most part? No, I... I think so. I think there's a little bit more of a crowd that is content with what Shane dialed up there on fourth and one. I don't think it's maybe the majority, but I do think there's a little bit more of that crowd. Now, granted, had Frank Reich made that call, I would love to see the reaction off of that. But I think two things to add, Andy. One, you decided on the season on the line, you put the entire year in the hands of a guy that literally had a quote after the game of, I hope I'm back next year. Like, that's the reality of Tyler Goodson's career. He, he's just hoping. He's hoping for an opportunity. He, he, he's a practice squad guy. He, this is not, you know, insert your high-level pass-catching back in the league. For some reason, Naeem Hines, just because he's the, you know, whatever. The, Which they need, by the, the way. The old local guy is the one that's popping into my head. But, you know, a lot of these teams have a third down back. He's not that, Tyler Goodson. And then secondly, and I got a tweet here as you were chatting, and this from Corvin. Obviously, I respect people on the other side of the opinion. He go. He goes, the guy was wide open. No risk. They didn't make the play. Houston stuffed multiple run lanes. If that's the call and it gets stuffed, we're comparing Steichen to Reich. Good play, call, bad execution, move on. The counter to that would be this. The guy was wide open. No risk. What happened earlier in the game when Shane Steichen had dialed up a wide open Tyler Goodson and Gardner Minshew threw the ball in Tyler Goodson's direction? Minshew missed Wildly, The two were not on the same page. The timing was not there. It was not an accurate ball from Minshew. So clearly, there's risk. When you involve two guys that you would rank near the bottom of your 
11 per 11 man personnel on offense of guys you trust you're bringing risk if it was that easy why wasn't the first ball completed earlier in the game or even close to being completed earlier in the game so now if you're Minshew in the huddle and you're thinking about that for the whole time out Minshew's wired in this way I guarantee you Andy he thought to himself oh man I missed Tyler earlier high and outside right. uh, if anything I'm going to compensate so he does it's low and inside on that pass and now Goodson who you know, it isn't necessarily thinking, I just need to sit here and maybe not run up field because yards after catch wasn't the big thing on that play. It was get a yard and move on. Goodson's got happy feet. Goodson's thinking, I got to catch this and I got to keep my momentum going forward. All of a sudden, maybe he runs a little bit deeper than Minshew thought. Maybe there's panic from the previous target to him earlier in the game. He gets two hands on it, but again, all his momentum's going forward and he can't haul it in. In that situation, go back to the Raiders game. When you threw kind of a ball up for grabs on fourth down, Michael Pittman Jr. made a catch that not a lot of guys in your football team would make. Josh Downs in big-time moments has made those plays. I'm not saying it needed to go to Taylor 1,000%. I think he should have been on the field as a decoy, but there were other guys, whether that be Pittman, whether that be Downs, rub routes have been so successful for this team. Hell, even some sort of RPO where maybe if everything else fails, we've seen Gardner Minshew's legs pick up a play or two. Um, that, to me, is where you bring in risk. If it was that easy, why wasn't the first play converted? And if it was this easy, why wasn't that play converted? Why? Because you had backups that are inexperienced and or not good or not very good. And in that moment, you were exposed. Two three nine ten seventy. We'll take some calls quickly. Let's, let's do this, Mark. Let, let's play some sound. We need to play some of this. Here's Shane Steichen after the game. So what I did, KB, is I cut this into like two or three clips, and there's some follow-ups and everything else. Obviously, uh, Shane Steichen, it wasn't the entire press conference. There were Jonathan Taylor questions and Michael Pittman and you know big big picture questions on the loss and the season and next year and what he learned as a head coach and everything else. But here's the beginning, some back and forth here. Steichen on that fourth down call. Play we had up. Um, we had to look for it. It was man-to-man coverage, you know, and uh, just it didn't work out. But you, you did run it with Tyler, though. Why? Why that? Why was that the choice? Um, obviously, we called timeout there. Um, it was fourth and one. Uh, we saw the front they were in. We like to look for that play in that situation. So he is that he had practiced that play. Is that what you're thinking? Correct. Felt good about Goodson uh, in that situation. Um, he's a pass catcher for us out of the backfield, and uh, that's what we went um, yeah, we would have had him in there for something, but we could have done something. Yeah, obviously, if it doesn't work, you know, you're going to second guess it. Um, so I understand that, and that's part of the business. What you saw was it a, a catch that you should have made or a throw that should have been better? I got to look at it. It was it was bang bang. I mean, from our side, it was on the other sideline. So I don't know what you take away from that. Let's go to let's go to the next one. Uh, Stike in more on the fourth down call. There's a lot of thoughts going through in that situation on the timeout. Um, like I said, saw the look. For that play, mm. thought it was going to be great. Got the look, didn't you know? Didn't happen for us. And I guess you, you do feel somewhat justified because it was there. Just it's just an execution thing, I guess, yeah, right? And I, and I understand that. They uh, and I take full responsibility when plays don't work. Um, starts with myself. You know, if we hit them, they're great, right? And uh, if we don't, obviously it's going to get questioned. And I completely understand it. Yeah, and I'll go back to something I said a little bit earlier, Andy. In that moment, I want to get as proven guys as I can to make those plays. You know, I, I you can't be in full control of the play, clearly. If you're in full control of the play, the Colts would have completed that pass and moved on. Um, and I want guys that have been either proven or been used to those settings. And you know, Minshew, there's only so much you can do. I mean, he is your quarterback. So, um, you know, even kind of separate him from it, Goodson is not that guy whatsoever. 
I think on the play itself, I think both guys are at fault, frankly. Again, I, I think Minshew's throw was a little low and, and, and inside. I don't know if a jumping Will Anderson Jr. influenced that at all. Um, it was certainly not like on point with the accuracy, but Goodson got a couple hands on it and you know couldn't haul it in either. But that's a running back with six career catches that you're asking to make you know, a, a big-time play out of his catch radius in that moment. Yeah, I was I was stunned. I was stunned they went in the flat to Goodson. I don't mind saying it. I was absolutely stunned. That's the way it went. The only thing I would say to kick back on Steichen is I don't think people are playing the result. I don't think I don't think you are playing the result, Kevin. You're you're saying Goodson has six catches this season. You tried a similar play earlier in the game that didn't work out. Didn't and, come close yeah, to working out. Didn't come out. close to working out. And in that moment, you went Minshew Goodson is going to be our connection. I don't think that's playing the result. I think you question. I think you question that on the front end. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. If you'd have ran JT up the middle. You know, if you'd have hurried up and ran JT up the middle and we would have said, well, you could have used a timeout or why did you run it again? Or why did you just do something? You're a creative coach. Why did you run up the middle? Then we would be second guessing. I don't think we're second guessing. I think we're we're guessing on the front end. Are we not? Why Goodson's in the game? It's almost like when that moment happens, uh, we should have to pause and everybody should have to jot down their their pre-play thoughts. (laughs) And then you're held to that. And that's why I tried to at the start of this, Andy, bring up the. Okay, when I saw Goodson in the huddle, I thought to myself, wait, where's Taylor? Like, that was my first thought because, again, to me, he's on the field as a decoy more than, you know, if nothing else, he's on the field. And I will reiterate what I said earlier. Taylor, you know, told me and told, you know, the media scrum that was around him after the game that that was a play that he had practiced. Uh, So this was not just, you know, whatever, something that, you know, this is purely Tyler Goodson's play and, and it's either him or... Or not on this. So, um, again, I will echo that I think the bigger coaching issue for four quarters and 60 minutes was Nico Collins kicking your ass. But fourth and one in a game that comes down to so many of these moments, uh, it gets scrutinized. And I felt like we should pay attention to it. But at the same time, I don't want to lose sight of second and 20, second and 14, and second and 13. All of those turning into Houston first downs on the previous drive. And it's why I think you need to have a very honest conversation with Gus Bradley here in the offseason. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of the main conversations. I know what fans think of Gus Bradley already. Quickly, we're at the top of the hour. Here's what Goodson said about it after the game. I worked too hard to, you know, just drop the ball like that. And I got to accept that opportunity, and that's okay. But it's still touch my hands. It's all good. It's all good. Touch my hands. Uh, but next year, I won't be in that position ever again. Ever again. I feel bad for him. I mean, it sounded like he's gonna cry. Yeah, it was oh, uh, bad for Goodson. I did. It was one of the more, maybe the most honestly emotional locker room that I've yeah. been in. I mean, yeah, a lot because you don't get that all the time. No, a lot of, frankly, a lot of tears, uh, flat out. Not just Tyler Goodson. I mean, there were a lot of guys that you maybe wouldn't peg as you know well guys welling up uh, in that locker room. But again, I think so much of that comes back to just the stinging nature to that loss. And and really, you know, as I. Sat there with 2.30 to go, and the Colts continued to move the football in a positive direction. I thought, Andy, they're going to win this game. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if C.J. Stroud's going to get the ball back with you know how much time left on that end. Uh, all right, I think there was one Colt player that they really, really missed on Saturday night. I want to make sure that we hit on that. Certainly a heroic effort from Jonathan Taylor. And we'll take your uh, comments as well. At K. Bowen, 1070 on Twitter. At the only Sweeney. Calls 317-239. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 1070. It's a wake-up call with KB and Andy on a Monday. All right, so those sights and sounds, or just sounds, of Saturday night there in Lucas Oil. Heartbreaker for the Indianapolis Colts. 23-19 losers to the Texans. We will hear from Shane Steichen today. And then, as KB said, coming up here at some point this week, maybe even early next week, uh, GM Chris Ballard uh, will take the podium and answer probably 30, 40 minutes uh, of questions. I know fans uh, mostly not happy uh, with him. And and, uh, that's obviously a storyline that we can dive into as well. We have a full bank of calls. We're going to get to them here. 239-1070 will continue uh, to play some of that sound. We'll continue to break down what happened at the end of the game. But both me and KB wanted to kind of throw out one other item. I know you want to talk about Nico Collins, who of course yeah. uh, was just fantastic on Saturday night. I just wanted to bring this up because it you, you were at the game I was at home watching, and then you went back and watched it. If you were there watching, this is something that Aikman and Buck talked about, and I swear I don't understand it. But starting in the second half, in that third quarter for a couple possessions, between, and of course, you had the 49-yard touchdown run from Jonathan Taylor was a huge part of it. But between Taylor and Zach Moss, KB, they had amassed 104 rushing yards. Jerry Hughes went down, if you remember. The defensive lineman for the Texans Ex-Colt went down. First round draft there you pick, go. Jerry Hughes. Uh, Jerry Hughes goes down, and because of it, kind of momentum stopped. And the Texans' defense got to rest. And Aikman and Buck talked a lot about that on the broadcast. The rest of that possession, when Jerry Hughes went down, the rest of that possession and the whole next possession, they only had four yards on the ground. And that was just odd because at that point I thought, man, they're leaning on the Texans. The Texans and not having guys, you know, fully healthy, not having Grenard and yeah, Will Anderson week. is hobbled and you're on a short week and everything else. That they have they this is this is how they're going to win is just leaning the last quarter and a half or so uh, on the Texans. And it did not happen. And really, if you even look at the final drive of the game, it took them a little bit to get the running game going again. So if I wanted to even throw, you know, the first half of that, uh, but again, just in a possession and a half there, just four yards after the possession half before you had 104 yards. Something happened there uh, with that Jerry Hughes injury. Yeah, you had five straight runs, Andy, of 23, 49, 7, 11, and 22 yards. I mean, that is beyond eye-popping numbers and like you said the Hughes injury it all, all of a sudden felt like Houston got a reset and they had a couple of run stuffs if I'm not mistaken then Minshew got a ball batted down on third down and that was the Matt Gay 57 yard field goal and you know the Shane second presser obviously was a lot of other topics I did want to ask him about the 57 yard decision I thought at that point and I think Matt Gay can make 57 yard field goals I'm not like of the thinking of that's out of his range and I get sure. Matt Gay you know had some struggles here down the stretch um, but I thought, given how the offense was playing for Houston, I thought that was a field position time to punt. And I thought that was Rigoberto Sanchez inside the 10, one of those moments there. That was a huge swing. Off the up, right upright, boom, Houston now starts to drive at their own 47. They don't get a ton of yards, but then they get into field goal range, and Fairbairn makes that 51-yarder, and now all of a sudden Houston feels like they're, whatever, maybe not back in control, but certainly back in the game. Um Again, I, I'll go back to something I said last segment. The fourth and one debate is easy. 
you know, it's the final play of the game the Colts had on offense. So um, it, it's easy to kind to to kind of sit here and and whatever uh, criticize, agree, however you want to look at it. Uh, bigger issue I have in the entire game from a coaching standpoint is allowing Nico Collins to look like Jerry Rice. And when we talked on Friday, I said to you when I made my pick. Andy, there's part of me that thinks I'm overthinking it, and I should just say C.J. Stroud is the far better quarterback in this matchup. Don't overthink it, Kevin. Which and, is what the general public did, by the way. And picked the Texans. Yeah, yeah I mean, national yeah. I mean, media was did. heavy with, yeah. with Scott, Scott with Bell Houston. Belt might have been the only guy I saw that actually picked the Indianapolis Colts to win the game. But I, I thought to myself, <laughs> hey, you know what? They're not paying enough attention to the Houston injuries. Right. Like, I, I'm right. the one thinking a little bit deeper into yeah. this. And then when I see Robert Woods inactive 90 minutes before kickoff, I'm oh, like, I felt better. Yeah. wait a minute. They're without the number two three, and four wide out. John Mechie's 15 career catches is the most of any player not named Nico Collins. You double, you triple, hell, you tackle him for all I care, coming off the line of scrimmage and hope you get away with it. That guy cannot beat you. Anybody but him was kind of the thought process that I had. And on the first play of the game, he runs by Juju Brents on a three-person route. One was a tight end on a crosser that the Colts might have had five dudes accounting for that tight end. One was a running back out of the backfield. So it's not like you even what had another wideout lined up next to Nico Collins and you need to pay attention to that player. So he goes 75 yards by you on the first play. Uh, and then throughout the game, he just, Andy, whatever the plan was, it was elementary. Whatever the execution of the plan was, was horrific. And that dude, he ran over you. You couldn't tackle him. He ran through your DBs. He made big catch after big catch. Nine targets for nine catches. 195 yards. This happens way too often. Nico Collins is a, is a good wideout. He's not that good. And this happens too much with this Colts team that they allow the opposing top threat to have these field days. And when you get to the end of the season and you start looking at every game right. that guy's played over the course of the year, right. it's the Colts game that ranks one or two or three. Well, the Saints, the Saints had that. There's no doubt on that list. Uh, Devontae Adams Nakua had it. Certainly yeah. had that. DeAndre yeah. Hopkins had it in one of those matchups. Um, I, I, I don't think, and, and my hand is raised, and I brought it up briefly, but I should have brought it up more last week. We should have focused on Julian Blackman's absence more because it was a coverage bust, in my opinion, on the first play of the game with Nick Cross some you know coming down for that safety, no safety help for Juju Brents, and then a massive coverage bust, I thought, on the second touchdown. That guy was wide open. Uh, Andrew Beck for the TD there late in the second quarter. Uh, Julian Blackman, sorely, sorely missed, and if you're his agent, you had to love that because your client's a free agent, and boy... Julian Blackman, you need that quarterback and that communicator back there. I think if you have Blackman, you uh, you win that game, and there's no and there's no real real debate. Well, there, for me. There's been games, and even though they've allowed some, they've they've allowed some yards, and you even look at like a Devontae Adams, what he did a couple weeks ago. But we haven't felt like they've been exposed, and I, I felt at times, most definitely with Nico Collins on Saturday night, KB, they felt exposed. It didn't feel like ah, they're you know they're bending but not breaking. It felt like no, they should not be allowing on the field. Field, what they're allowing. 239-1070. Let's get you guys' thoughts on some of this today here on this Monday on the fan. James, 239-1070. James, fire away, buddy. Hey, guys. Uh, great show. Appreciate the uh, taking Paul. Hey, uh, you know, it's a bigger problem, I think, this year. This year has been really weird. Terrible mechanics, drop balls, wide open drop balls, not, uh, not tackling, you know, launching and tackling, no wrapping up. You know, every I think the Colts were lucky to even be there because the league has just been up and down and no real leaders. And number two, um, I think that the playoffs will – the winner will be a team that's 
McCarthy Sound gets things done, and I believe you're going to have one of the worst rated Super Bowls of all time. It could be Green Bay in Texas. What do you guys think? <laughs> well, we were, appreciate the phone call. No, the NFL's king. Yeah. You could have Joe Buck poop for <laughs> 60 minutes, and they would get an incredible they, rating. They were, talking on, they were talking on ESPN Radio. Me and Mark didn't have a conversation about it, but I know Mark was listening. Chris Canty was, was breaking down the great numbers by Jordan Love. I know you didn't like that, Mark, how great he's been the was last there a game yesterday? Six, I don't seven, remember. Six, seven games. I might have missed it. <laughs> Um, I, I did think, you know, on the tackling point of view, you go back to that final drive. It was the the eventual game winner, I guess, if you want to call it that, for Houston. Andy, the Colts got them into a second and 20. Um, I forget if that was the holding penalty or if that was the Buckner sack. But all of a sudden, Daryl Baker Jr., who's in the game for Juju Brents, who again suffered an, an, an injury there early, I think it was the first play of the second half when Nico Collins caught that comeback route, uh, Baker Jr. whiffs on Dalton Schultz, and now all of a sudden right. they're in like a huge um, play. Yeah. Was it a third and six? Maybe it was a second and yeah, fourteen. I, I can look it up, but it was a huge and they got play. Schultz. I mean, a second and twenty, a first and twenty, a second and fourteen. I think there was a second and thirteen on that final drive, and Houston converted out of all of those situations. Like that was just again fourth and one will dominate the headlines. But boy, I I really hope in just recapping this game, that we don't lose sight, lose focus of that. And I would have said it really before Saturday night, but Saturday night is another confirmation that if I'm Shane Sykin, Andy, I have to have a long, long, long conversation with Gus Bradley here this offseason about the future of my defense. Okay, Shane's a first-time head coach. Doesn't get hired till the Super Bowl, right after the Super Bowl last year. It's pretty chaotic, I would assume, for a first-year head coach and taking on that job. Is there part of him that said, you know what, they were decent on defense last year. I know Gus. Uh, might as well keep him. Oh, okay, sure. Now it's your first full offseason. And now you've seen some of these backup quarterbacks or whatever, rookie quarterbacks, or some of these elite offensive players have special games against you throughout the course of the season. You need to sit here and decide in your first full offseason where now you have an extra month right. on the job. What kind of defense what do, do I want? What do you want your right. defense to look like under your head coaching regime? Because, again, I feel like we do this too, too often with head coaches that are offensive play callers. We don't put the defense under their umbrella. They are. Shane Sagan is the head coach. He will pick. He will decide what the defense is going to look like moving forward. Week to week? Yeah, that coordinator gets a whole lot of say, all the say, however you want to describe it. But you're the head coach. And to me, I like more aggression. I like more dictating with coverages, disguising, variety of looks. Um, again, I, I dictating to your opponent. I don't feel like the Colts, I don't feel like they did that enough with Matt Eberflus. And I don't feel like it's a championship level defense with Gus Bradley. I don't know if the personnel is enough either. So I think that's a fair conversation to have. And again, Gus Bradley did some nice things. Well, that's I don't the act problem. like that yeah. he didn't. But I think that is a very real conversation that Shane Steichen needs to have. And honestly, if I was at that final presser here in an hour, that's a question that I'd be asking. Is Gus Bradley going to be back? Well, I mean, listen, Gus Bradley, I guess I backed him last week when you were gone just because I was like, look at the personnel, right? I mean, just look at the personnel, especially, you know, defensive backs who got burned. A guy who hasn't played a ton of football in Juju Brent's. But see, that's my issue, Andy, is you know your personnel is depleted going in, or whatever, inexperience, however you want to describe it, going into Saturday night. So that means schematically, you can't you've allow got that. to do, Listen, I, you've got to go above and beyond I, and I'm say, with you. hey, when Nico Collins lines up, guys, there's a chance Robert Woods doesn't play. That means that Nick Cross or Ronnie Harrison Jr. or Rodney Thomas, whoever you want, that safety's got to be over the top, 
every single time with Nico Collins, and we're going to make Xavier Hutchinson and John Mechie third, and I forget the other damn wideout's name, that dressed for Houston on Saturday night. You make those dudes beat you. It's not like Houston's run game did anything. They had a million penalties. It was C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins just absolutely kicking your ass. Two three nine ten seventy. Let's go to Aaron up next here on the fan on this reaction Monday. Aaron, fire away, buddy. How are you? Good. Oh, I'm doing great. I just got a couple of points I want to make about the game yesterday. I mean Saturday. You know, if we if you look at it, really means you really have more completions than we give you credit for. That's if you include the people standing out of bounds. I'm the, I was beginning to think he had more completions out of bounds than he did in bounds. And if he had put that ball on the guy right, if you noticed there was no one within five yards, he would have walked into the end zone. You know, if you have a team and there's no one that the other team is scared of, they fear, then that's on the general manager. I hear you talking about Gus Bradley. He can only coach what he's been given to coach. You don't pick the players, he coaches. Ballard's been given too many passes. And when you look at it, Stockton, his name is on the uh, headliner. He's the head coach. If there's a problem, that goes to Stockton. We can't put it on the uh, defensive coordinator. This team is poorly constructed. If they just go with the best athletes, you need some dogs out there down there. Being nice and stuff, going to the University of Yale and cauliflower, that's not going to get it just to prove that you know better than every other general manager. Appreciate it, Aaron. (laughs) Cauliflower? (laughs) I don't know if I follow that one. The the Yale is Rodney Thomas II, I believe, in that reference. I I think, listen, I'd be fine if... Listen, if the, if the New York Giants got rid of Wink Martindale, that would be an interesting fit. I know he was hey, up Wink to, be the, was to be the head coach. Now, he is a, we're going to blitz the hell. It would be Ooh, the yeah. opposite of Gus aggression, Bradley. Aggression, aggression, aggression. I mean, I, I get it. Like, I'm stuck, and I said this last week, that that their blitz rate is is right down at the, at the end of the NFL. And sometimes you can get home with four or five, and some, sometimes you need to bring more. And I, and I felt like that was a case. You need to bring more because you're not able to stop Nico Collins. If you're going to play off and you're going to rush four, fine. Then Nico Collins can't have nine catches for a buck 90, whatever it was, and a touchdown. Andy, the coverage busts were so bad Saturday night. I thought to myself, in all seriousness, I thought to myself several times, is this Notre Dame against Ohio State? Are there 10 defenders on the field? Like, literally, <laughs> on the first play of the game, I said, wait a minute. I watched the play unfold, and we sit, obviously, very high at the Soil Stadium. And I'm like, okay, by my, like, all-22 vision, as I watched that play unfold, I thought to myself, there's no way there's 11 defenders on the field. And I felt that way on the second touchdown to Andrew Beck as well. And to Aaron's first point, again, Minshew was terrible. 54% completion percentage. And, Andy, it's not like he was throwing the bomb uh, to bring up NFL Blitz all game long. This <laughs> was the dink and dunk nature to Minshew's day, and that's why I go back to fourth and one. It's not like you rode the hot hand at all. Minshew was terrible, and Goodson's never sniffed that moment. That's the risk that you bring upon running a play like that. A couple other things I did want to mention, and again, some of this is not all on Alec Pierce itself, but that's hard to watch him play every snap but two and not have a single catch. Michael Pittman Jr., three catches on the opening drive, two for the rest of the game. 
And Andy, we've said this way too often on Mondays after the season, and it's a storyline that the Colts will have to make a decision on at some point this offseason. Uh, the fifth-year team option on Quiddy Pay. People will fall in love. Not maybe fall in love, but they'll look at eight and a half sacks for Quiddy Pay this the, this season and think that tells the story. And oh yeah, he's promising. He's up and coming. Eight and a half sacks. Good, good, good. No. Not enough consistent pressure whatsoever from your first-round pick. Oh, I don't I think he'll be back. No. picking up that fifth. Again, he's still under contract for next year. Right, But I'm right. not picking up the fifth-year option for 2025 on him. As much as the defense dialed something up for you there in the third, I thought the third quarter, they started to ramp it up a little bit more. Again, that final drive, the eventual game winner, second and 20, first and 20, second and 14, second and 13, time and time again, Houston converted out of those situations. Uh, Alec Pierce is in the situation to where Anthony Richardson not being the quarterback this year was good and bad for him. It was bad for him because Gardner Minshew and he, like he has a skill set that Gardner Minshew cannot take advantage of throwing it deep. So that's why it's a bad thing, but it's a good thing because Alec Pierce, every time you bring him up, he gets let off the hook for having zero stats this season Yeah, because it's no Anthony Richardson. Again, I think Richardson will do wonders for Alec Pierce and just attempting the couple of deep balls, but still, I mean, you know, how many offensive snaps do you have on, on Saturday night? 64, 64? and he plays every one but two and doesn't have a single catch. Um, Today, also around the NFL, is Black Monday. We continue to have more firings pouring in. If you missed it around midnight last night, Arthur Smith, after it looked like he wanted to fight Dennis Allen at one point there. That was fantastic. Mid-game last night. Did you see what happened with that? Absolutely loved it. I love Jameis Winston's (laughs) explanation of a team decision and overruling Dennis Allen. Guys, feel free to chime in if I have this right. Right now, we have an opening with the Chargers. That's head coach and GM. Just saw the Panthers have fired their GM on top of Frank Reich. Have no idea why the GM kept his job for, what, a month and a half, and now you fire him? Uh, So a head coach, GM opening there. Uh, The Raiders, we'll see if Antonio Pierce gets the permanent job or not. And then again, at midnight last night, Arthur Smith let go in Atlanta. And just a few minutes ago, and this to be expected, Ron Rivera with the Commanders has been fired. And Andy's Giants have fired offensive line coach Bobby Johnson. There it is. Bobby Johnson. That's going to change the fall things. Guy. That'll it's lead about off, damn time. That'll lead off the you, New York you, Post. That'll be on the front page ta- of the Post. You asked KB or Dighton over here. I've been talking about that Bobby Johnson guy for the last three weeks. Uh, it's about Belichick, time he's gone. Belichick gone? Well, Belichick was doing the thing yesterday where it sounded like he would be like, okay, I won't be general manager. I'll just be the head coach. Like so now that's being thrown out there. I'll say in the end they uh they they split up and I'm going to say he goes to Washington. That's what I'm going to say he you does. Know what? The I Patriots con- beat writer said that he's he mentioned that he's under contract and they said that's something he's never done in his tenure. He never talks about his contract, so it was odd that he brought it up today that he's mm. under contract. I feel mm. like Belichick deserves that owner in Carolina. Ugh, GM yeah. head coach yeah. opening yeah. there. Maybe I, I I don't know I I yeah, you know last David week, Tepper Bill Belichick last week I said this if you're the New England Patriots why wouldn't you hire Jim Harbaugh Oh if I'm Harbaugh you, you he's going to go to the Chargers probably because yeah, of Herbert but you, yeah you yeah, they you, have no you fans Schneider, then you go to the Chargers. Eh, no fans let's sneak one more in Matt up next two three nine ten seventy he's been waiting a while Matt good morning how are you today ma'am Hey good morning guys Hey uh, just first totally agree with everything you said about that fourth down call you know. I, I feel bad for Goodson. Ultimately, you could tell by the the end of his pressure that he was uh, he was getting a little emotional there, and you know, the ball wasn't accurate. Play could be questionable, but you know I, I think it's important to remember that 
and he catches that ball. We're singing his praises this morning, right? Um, so it could be, you know, a 50-50 chance on that. You know, while we're on the topic of undrafted free agents and low draft picks making this game too close, uh, as we talked about beforehand, you know, Rodney Thomas is out there on that touchdown to Andrew Beck looking like he was still at Yale covering Harvard wide receivers. Man, so the, the Yale uh, shade <laughs> on this crushed. Monday morning. By the way, <laughs> Matt, that was Rodney Thomas's only snap of the game. I'm a Dartmouth oh. guy, so you know. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I, I think this game, you know, we have to look at it in the context of it shouldn't have come down to that play, like you said. I mean, we were relying on a statistical anomaly to win this game, a missed extra point, right? Um, we had 9% conversion rate on third down in this game, yeah. 9%. Well, didn't have, a, didn't, didn't have the first uh, third down conversion the until the last drive of the game, but one of 10 in the game. It's unbelievable. Exactly. exactly. And we've talked about Nico Collins looking like Marvin Harrison out there and Best Bradley's Swiss cheese zone defense. But, you know, there's so many other offensive opportunities. we had Mo Alley-Cox drops that deep ball from Gardner. Um, you know, so many opportunities. So I, I hate putting on Goodson just because he had, you know, we, we put him in a position that he should have made a play, sure. Um, but frankly, this offense should have been up by a lot more. And, and I'll leave you all with this. Put yourself in a position of this time last year. I know it's early, so we won't go back too far. Do you really think where you were this time last year, coming off that loss to future Hall of Famer Davis Mills on that two-point conversion play, <laughs> that we would be a couple plays away from winning the AFC South? Because I, I sure as hell did not. And so I, I have a lot of hope for this team. I want to stay a little bit half glass full with this, but they are coming back. And hopefully, like some other callers have said, you know, Chris Ballard is a little bit aggressive in free agency. But, um, but you know, I, I have hope. For I haven't felt like this hopeful for this team in a long time, especially after last week. So I'll leave you with that, and uh, have a great morning, guys. Matt, have a great morning. Yeah. Outstanding call on, on many fronts there. Call more often, Matt. Um, yeah, I, I guess to go to the last point, Andy, no, I mean, again, I've, I was a seven-win guy and thought they'd backdoor their way into seven wins. I, I didn't think for one second they'd be a play or two away from winning the AFC South. Um, so I think we sit here on Monday, January 8th, Andy, and the sting is still real. And it is alive. And there is salt in the wounds. And there should be. Absolutely. I mean, there should be. There were so Jackson, many though. chances Ugh. sitting there on a platter. And yeah, I mean, it's not like, you know, if Jacksonville, whatever, if Lawrence would have stayed healthy and Christian Kirk stayed healthy and Jacksonville won 12 games, okay, you, maybe the sting wouldn't be as much. But because they fell apart, and then Houston, with a rookie head coach and rookie quarterback, they know. make the playoffs. I know. That's where I think more of it comes into play. And again, I'll go back to what I said early in the show. Uh, 25 teams have won a division title since you last half. Every team in the AFC South have won multiple division titles. And that was before Houston. Houston's now won three since you last did. That's where the sting... But to Matt's other point, Andy, and I didn't say this, and I haven't said this for several Januaries, you are now on the correct path. With an Anthony Richardson and a Shane Sykin, you're finally on the path where there is hope, there is reason that you can build something for whatever, half dozen years. So that is encouraging. I think both things can be true. Sting, you're pissed, whatever, you're sick and tired of walking out of Lucas Oil Stadium and not having a home playoff game. That is all very fair and should be felt today. But as 2024 starts to unfold even more, there will be reasons for plenty of encouragement. Having said that, the division's tougher. The schedule's going to get tougher. And again, opportunities like this, while there should be more of them, in my opinion, moving forward, I don't think you can just act like they grow on trees. Just ask Jacksonville with how this season unfolded for them after last year, all the hope of, you know, them getting in the playoffs and, you know, having that huge comeback. I think more people than not think that this team is on the precipice, if nothing else, 
is going down has a first of all has a direction and the direction they're going is a good direction I, I guess I'm with you guys on that I would say though as a caveat that each season is its own season I mean it really is I mean so many teams drop off you know half the teams are dropping off from the playoffs and are being replaced by other teams and the Colts know that and obviously the Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars know it I think one thing to guard against would be, you know, just don't forget the quarterbacks and teams that you did face this season. I mean, there are a lot of stinky quarterbacks and a lot of a lot of stinky offenses. And the other thing would be, and I like I know Ballard knows this, but they have a lot of money and they have a quarterback that is on a rookie deal and they have a left tackle who's on a nothing deal. And there's some key positions where they're not paying very much money and the time to pounce specifically in free agency to me is is now. I, I mean, they, they can't go into next year having all of this money and having holes in this team. I mean, they need help defensive back. Uh, they need help on a third down running back. They need Pittman and somebody else and probably even look at the draft. Like, to me, yes, you're going down the right direction, but you have to keep feeding the beast. This is, and I know, duh, Andy, of course it is, it's a massive offseason for Chris Ballard. Yeah, it really e- is. It's easily the most notable list of in-house free agents they've had we'll go over those here in the in the coming days um i I, i'm trying to decide andy if this is my mind talking in hope or if this is my mind thinking maybe there has been an alteration of chris ballard's blueprint it's a it's an annual question i've had to him every january and and i'll ask him again whenever the end of the year presser does occur for him but does the shane steichen influence presence alter chris's thinking at all because i think anthony richardson in that draft pick did alter some of it and you, you know you, you just have a different voice a voice you trust a voice that um brings challenging thoughts and has been the play caller in a super bowl very recently does that influence again i don't know if that's my hope or if that is eh, there might be a little logic behind that kevin there's actually something there on that so that is a thought that i do have um to your point about the nfl and kind of the ever-changing nature to it uh the annual stat was certainly there this year again. It's now 34 straight years of at least four new playoff teams. This year, Andy, you had six of them. Yeah. Uh, The Browns, the Lions, the Packers, the Steelers, the Texans, and the Rams. Maybe just five of them now that I count that out loud. Um, So Browns, Lions, Packers, Steelers, Texans, and Rams as your new playoff teams. Again, a rundown on the schedule Saturday. It'll be Texans and Browns to lead things off. The Peacock game is Chiefs and Dolphins at Arrowhead. Early weather looks absolutely freezing. <laughs> it's going to be brutal for that is one. Is Jimmy going to that? Is Jimmy Cook? He said a couple years ago he went to the Bengals game, which was like three below. Ugh, that's miserable. Yeah, they're going to need some Jimmy Cook toughness Oof. in that one. Tyreek Hill, of course, back to Arrowhead. Sunday, we have the triple header. It is Pittsburgh without TJ Watt at Buffalo. Cowboys and Packers at 4.30, and then the nightcap. Boy, this one's juicy. That is Matthew Stafford back to Detroit. Did I see correctly the first Lions home playoff game in 30 years? Yeah, and they're going to lose to Matthew Stafford. I mean, the one guy they didn't want to face was Matthew Stafford, right? And then Monday, you face anybody else but him? Monday to end it all, the Manning cast, it will be Eagles and Bucks. That is in Tampa, Philly. Just a slight favorite in that one. We'll continue to watch Black Monday. Am I seeing this correct? Bob Myers, yep. the former Warriors GM, is taking a job as the Commanders GM. 
Oh my God! I don't have Twitter up. Bob Myers, Bob Myers who's now on ESPN. <laughs> well, he's in an executive <laughs> role. But I don't think he's taken over the actual GM job. Well, he might do better than the football guys they brought in for they, the last twenty years. I guess so. nothing else has worked. <laughs> he might as well bring it. He was bringing the basketball guy. He might as well hire like Theo that. Epstein as well. See if he can do anything. <laughs> Who was the Browns guy they brought in? The baseball deep. Oh, yeah. Didn't the Browns yeah. do that with the, the Moneyball baseball the, the analytics guy, yeah. that Was was that before or after the homeless guy told the owner to draft Johnny Manziel? Didn't they interview Condoleezza Rice at one point? <laughs> yeah, you damn, right, damn right they and, did. And Andy will be excited. <laughs> Brian Dable has said he expects Mike Kafka and Ma- Wink Martindale both to return. Oh, there you season. go. Well, I, hey, listen, if Wink would have been on, I know he, you know, what, he, he went for the head coaching job here, did he not? He yeah. interviewed, I mean, that would have been. Second interview. He's, he's a, hey, we're going to put our corners on an island and. He is Bruce Arians. You, you, you guys go ahead. You guys go ahead and just blitz everybody. So it would have been different than what you saw with Gus Bradley. You want to get to a checkdown? Busy night of sports. Let's check it down. The morning checkdown. Omaha, 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 Omaha. Omaha. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. I mean, obviously, this morning it's been a lot of Texans and Colts talk. 23-19, your final on Saturday. One thing uh, that Kevin's been talking about quite a bit uh, during this show has been Nico Collins just burning the Colts. Nine catches, a buck 95, and that touchdown to begin the game. Here's Shane Steichen postgame on the Texan wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, we knew he was a good player going into the game. You know, they were down Tank Dell and a couple guys, and Nico's a really good player. And uh, shoot, he was, and we knew guys, you know, really good players in this league are going to make plays. And you just got to, you know, control those plays so they don't, you know, get out of hand. Um, but I thought our defense fought like crazy. You know what I mean? They had some good stops there. Um, obviously, the big play on the first drive, that was that. And then, you know, we held them pretty good and shoot offensively. You know, it starts with myself. We got to be better. Yeah, respectfully, I thought the defensive plan was absolutely horrific in trying to stop <laughs> Nico Collins whatsoever. Uh, a couple of offseason housekeeping items to note. Andy, 15th overall pick. That's where the Colts are slotted in the draft. I'll have to double-check this. I believe just their normal allotment of picks. I don't think there's an additional pick via trade or even a compensatory pick coming into the fold this year. So 15th overall. And with yesterday's result, third-place schedule. So you play the AFC East, NFC North next season. Your additional games. Got the Giants in there, I saw. I'm sure the fan going to send me to uh, the Meadowlands. Broncos. Cover that game? <laughs> I think Broncos and Steelers. Does that sound right? Yeah, it sounds right. I AFC, headed up earlier. Yeah. Fellow third place Maybe the teams. Lions. I thought I saw the Lions were in there. So that is up. your... Uh, yeah, N- N- NFC North, AFC East. So we'll we'll go over opponents a little bit more later in the week. All right, tonight in Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it is a rematch with the Boston Celtics. Lowest scoring total of the season on Saturday night, 101 for the Pacers a night after they put up 50 assists against the Hawks. You know, I thought with no Bruce Brown and no Andrew Nemhard, the bigger issue would be defensively against all those Celtic studs, uh, but it was actually on the offensive end. Uh, so we'll see how the Pacers respond to that. Their five-game win streak came to, or was it a six-game win streak? I think it was a six-game win streak with the win on Friday. Came to a close, so a home tonight, home to the Wizards, an upcoming West Coast trip here very soon. Uh, Boston is a three-and-a-half-point favorite tonight. Yeah, just quickly, college football national title game tonight. Michigan favored by about five and a half. You're over under 56 and a half. Michigan and Wisconsin. Wisconsin, goodness. Washington, Michael Penix Jr. and company. Catch that one. 7.30, the coverage on ESPN. Four and a half point? Uh, five and a half. Five and a half? Yeah, five and a half. Uh, and then lastly, college basketball recap from the weekend. Uh, Purdue, winners over Illinois. Trey Kaufman-Renton, big night for him on Friday. Yeah, where they did overcome that come from? Wow. A Zach Eady foul-troubled night. 
And then uh, Butler did blow one against UConn. They're up seven at halftime. That would have been important for the resume there, but they cannot get it done at Hinkle. And then Saturday, uh, important for Indiana to take care of business on their home floor. That pretty much needs to be a non-starter the rest of the season. They do that. Protect the basketball very well. Xavier Johnson, no turnovers in 33 minutes. CJ Gunn with 10 points off the bench. That is much needed as well. Uh, Fly the Peacock tomorrow night for Indiana and Purdue. Both of those teams... Uh, it is your Peacock doubleheader. <laughs> Purdue is at Nebraska. Indiana is at Rutgers for those. Um, again, 7 o'clock Indiana at the Rack, and then Purdue 9 o'clock at Nebraska. In a week from tomorrow, Andy, it'll be our first Indiana-Purdue matchup of the season. That is also at Peacock. A lot of Peacock. Seminole. You better get that password. Come on, Jake Query. You better get that password. The cock is alive and well yes, it is. for Indiana and Purdue fans. Here and now. All right, on the other side, still got to give out our Goats of the Week fan tweets in response to what happened on Saturday. And uh, we'll continue to take your calls as well. 317-239-1070. I will get to your phone calls. 239-1070. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Goats of the week coming up as well. Reminder, it's a full reaction Monday here on the Fan Querying Company coming your way at noon. JMV coming your way at 3 o'clock. You know, when we record our lookies for, for Monday, uh, you know, we've heard, you know, ours and JMVs, you know, hey, Colts and, uh, Colts and Texans, what happened? We'll talk about it. We sound so cheerful on Friday. <laughs> we would have recorded those on Sunday morning. Uh, maybe not so cheerful. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we have a low, we have loaded phone lines. We still got to get to our goats of the week, but it is worth it each hour to discuss fourth and one. Is it not, Kevin? Uh, because that's uh, that's obviously what everyone's talking about today. You're at work. You need to know, you need to know that everyone's going to be talking about that fourth and one. Do you want to do what we did earlier in the show? Do you sure. want to go first yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what we thought about the fourth and one, and we can hear from Coach Shane Steichen as well. Go ahead. Yeah, my first thought watching from the press box was I saw Tyler Goodson in the huddle. I thought, whoa, where's Taylor? Um, and then I remembered, you know, at times in the game they had put both of them in there together, I just assumed Taylor was a guy that I couldn't spot in the huddle. Then I looked over the sideline, saw Taylor there, and thought, what is going on here? Um, my thought process with fourth and one is this. If I'm Shane Second, I want to be in control. I want to be in control of the personnel on the field and the play call. I want guys that I trust. Uh, there is obviously unpredictability with every single play call that you do. So I want to make sure that I put guys in the field that have been there, done that, uh, my most proven guys, everyone to describe that. Basically, go swinging, go down swinging with your horses. And Taylor, at that point of the game, Andy, he had been a triple crown winner for you. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. had been pretty darn you know good all season long for you in those moments. Josh Downs, even in those moments, uh, big. Uh, how about the second highest paid offensive line in all of football? Instead, you opted for Gardner Minshew in one of the worst games of his career. You opted for Tyler Goodson, a man with six career catches, and you put them in the most pressure-packed situation of the season. There's an element that maybe in those moments you think, ah, let's ride the hot hand. I don't know what was hot about Gardner Minshew and or Tyler Goodson in that moment. Nothing whatsoever was. Uh, You had had those two uh, dialed up for a play earlier in the game, and Minshew missed Goodson badly. He missed high and outside. I find it ironic that High and outside was the first target to Goodson, and then on the fourth and one, you could make the argument that was low and inside to him as well. 
Um, the more you play backups, the more you see why they are backups. You bring in consistency. You bring risk. Um, you run the risk, Andy, of having what happened. You needed two backups to perform flawlessly in a pressure-packed moment. That is way too much risk for my liking there. Uh, how about a rub route with Pittman yeah. and Downs? Uh, again, how about maybe Moss lined up at fullback, Taylor at tailback. All of a sudden, the Texans are thinking, hey, Taylor, 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 and boom, here's you know Moss behind Quentin Nelson, behind Ryan Kelly, behind an offensive line that I think had leaned on Houston a little bit there, and Houston, again, was pretty banged up defensively in that moment. Uh, that's where I'm at with that final play. Um, again, uh, those two were very errant earlier in the game when they tried to have a play uh, together, and you just ran way too much risk with putting them on the field. I'm not saying that it had to be end-all, be-all. Taylor's got to touch it. I, I, I'm not necessarily that. I think he should be on the field, and I think there are a lot of other guys I would have trusted more in that moment. The timeout also, I think, creates more pressure on Minshew and Goodson because now they think about it for a little bit longer. And if you watch, whether it was the inaccuracy of Minshew, maybe Goodson runs the route too much. Maybe he should have kind of sure. sat down yeah. once he realized he was open there and really said, just catch it and fall forward. You don't need yards after catch on that play at all. Uh, to me, you put two guys that haven't earned the trust in such a critical moment, and when you do that, you bring a whole lot of risk on the table, and when you play backups and you put them in those moments, bad things can happen, and obviously a bad thing happens. Yeah, I think, it, listen, I don't think it's unanimous, but I think people understand that even though the play was there, and you can say, well, it's the execution, uh, what you have said throughout the show is absolutely true. Again, you are putting a guy that is, what, six catches on the year, 100 career, snaps six this season, career, under 100 snaps this season, a guy into the Pittsburgh game that we haven't talked about not one time the entire season. In fact, they brought in other guys, Trey Sermon and some other guys. So, I mean, I think personnel-wise, I think everyone is there. The thing that I knew is when they took the timeout, I knew they were going to throw the football. And you mentioned those rub routes. I thought it was going to be, you know, you get a tight end in the flat. You get someone in the flat. We're all mentioned has to do it's an easy decision it's a little flip pass and boom you get three four yards and there you go I'll go back to also what I said at 730 I I firmly believe watching the game a few times now and even when you're live and in the moment that on that third and two Steichen would say well Kevin and Andy that's what I was relying on that big offensive line on that third and two I think he thought, I'm going to get this third down. We're going to, you know, I might only get two and a half yards. I'm going to get the first down. JT will lay over the line. And then we're going to have about a minute 40. The clock's going to be ticking. But I'm going to have all three timeouts. And we're going to be able to dictate and control how the game ends. And that did not happen. And I'll go back to something that I said. And I know that he wanted to see the formation. But I'm a believer in options because uh, I guess I'm negative in this way that I, I don't I don't see the team as pulling out a fourth down. And so I'm thinking, okay, if I don't get this, what insurance do I have on the back end? And by using the timeout, you made that play be it. You made that play be essentially what victory formation, if you will, for the for the Texans. And so I definitely question that probably uh, even more so maybe at times than Goodson. And then I said this earlier, the third down and two, the run up the middle with Taylor, it was done at a minute 43. You then took the clock all the way down to a minute six. So again, 
you use the timeout and you burn those 37 seconds that if you didn't get the first down, you, you've essentially put yourself out to where the game is going to end the way that it did. Now you may say, Andy Steichen, he got the timeout. He got the right look. He got the right play call. Uh, and it was everything was right. It just wasn't executed. And at that point, he has two timeouts. The clock is running and the ball's at the nine yard line or whatever. And I, I think to a certain extent, there will be second guessing. We are, we, of course, we played the result sometimes. I think Goodson and Minshew. But specifically, Goodson is not playing the outcome. That is something that you questioned when you were sitting up there with Chaps. <laughs> I mean, you you were questioning before. You weren't saying, well, yeah. you know, I'm going to wait to after this fourth down in, in one or two to see uh, what's going to happen. So I, I'm just a firm believer in utilizing your timeouts in the correct manner. And I didn't, I, I personally, before I knew what was going on with Goodson, I personally did not think Shane Steichen did that. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I can understand if you, if you feel otherwise. I would also add this, Andy. There is oftentimes you hear coaches in a post game press conference or even throughout the week say, you know, we have full belief in our players. And I think that's one of the most PR cliche comments that's out there. That's not true. There's a reason why some guys play more than others. There's a reason why some guys go undrafted. And there's no way to describe this because I thought Tyler Goodson handled things post game brilliantly. I felt awful for the kid. Uh, very Agreed. emotional after the game. But there's a reason why Tyler Goodson went undrafted. I mean, this dude ran 4-4, 40-yard dash. Well, very productive career at Iowa. Those dudes don't go undrafted. Why? Because you're inconsistent. Because you aren't as trustworthy as some other players on a team. Um, and so in that moment, when he had had zero catches in the game, this was not like you had hit on an earlier play and you wanted to come back on it. This was not like Gardner Minshew had been particularly hot throughout the game. 54% is one of the worst completion percentages of his career. You decided two backups need to really excel in the most pressure pack situation of the season. That is way too much risk. For the biggest play and it's of the year. And it's not playing the result. You we're saying this on the front end. Yes, because if you throw the again, against the Raiders, you had a fourth down. You threw the ball to Michael Pittman Jr. That was not a it, it was a ball by Minshew that if you're gonna grade the accuracy one to ten, you wouldn't give it a ten. You'd maybe say a six or a seven. Pittman had to adjust. And what did Pittman do? He looked like the number one wideout that he's been for this entire season for the Colts. And he made that play in a huge, huge moment. Those are the guys that I want. Because there's probably going to be a little bit of non-crispness, uh, a little bit of rocky moments on the fourth down. Something's going to go wrong. Timing might be off. There might be a ball that has to be thrown a little bit off target, okay? I want my guys that I trust, Pittman and Downs atop that list, to be the guys that are trying to make the play in that moment there. Uh, that's where my issue is. But I will say that with the caveat, Andy, and I hope that we've laid this out uh, here in the first two hours of the show properly, the bigger coaching issue from Saturday night is the inexcusable nature to let Nico Collins absolutely toast you, roast you, and kick your ass from the <laughs> opening play of the game all the way through the final drive. That is the only legitimate threat Houston had in one of the most depleted wideout cores you're going to see. They didn't have their number oh, two, number three, yeah. or four wideout. That's the bigger issue for me because that was four quarters 
of them doing it more so than just one play. Toasty roast you. I was wondering if you had another third one. I was there. trying to think they, they of a third arrive. one. You did, but you were going, let's get one call. We'll take a break and we'll do our, our goats of the week. In the nine o'clock hour, we'll keep taking calls. Two, three, nine, 10, 70. Let's go to Joe up next here on the fan on this Monday. Joe, fire away, buddy. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Hey, Joe. Thanks for calling, man. Yeah, so I just had a few things. I know it's kind of redundant. We're all talking about the fourth and one play. Um, I actually... Kevin, I tagged you on on X. Did you see the potential offsides on that play? Yeah, Will Will Anderson Jr. Yeah, I didn't get a great great look at it. It was I, possible. I, it, it, was it was close. Um, I think in that situation they go egregious, like Kadarius Tony egregious more than anything. Right. But that is something that I that that I did notice. Okay, I just I didn't heard a lot of people talk about it. Um, the other thing is, you know, on that on that first play for Houston, uh, Nico Collins touchdown. You know, I'm thinking Nick Cross blew that coverage because if Agreed. you watch the tight end come across, I mean, he just slams into two linebackers, and and I don't know why Cross would even take a step in that direction seeing that, but I think that was kind of a blown coverage, and just you know, to your guys' point. Um, I don't know how you let a guy that has the three top receivers below him out and, and they don't just double him the whole game. That That's just mind-blowing to me. Um, Joe, they defended then, that that tight end like it was Travis Kelsey and George Kittle had a kid together and had produced that tight end. That, that was unbelievable. <laughs> that had to have been. For the sake of Gus Bradley's sanity, I hope that was a coverage bust by Nick Cross. Yeah. And then, you know, and then what, you know, to come back to what Andy had said about the timeout and analytics of it, I I mean, in game, I mean, I coach JV football. I mean, I'm not a professional by any means, but I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, why would you call that timeout? Because if, if we don't get this, it's not a surefire thing that we're going to get this fourth and one. I mean, we still get the ball back with a minute. And and to your guys' point, there was like, what, 143 or something. I mean, over a minute, if we hurry up as a coach, he should on third down know, okay, I'm running the ball. If I don't get it, my next call is this. I mean, I don't know why we have to line up and take 40 seconds to know they're going to be in man-to-man. What do you think they're going to be in on fourth and one? You think they're dropping into a quarters or a cover three or cover two? I mean, I just – I don't know. I don't – it's easy to, to look at this in hindsight, but it's just they're at the professional level. And even Goodson, I mean, I realize – we like Zach Moss. We like uh, Taylor. I'm wondering if Moss's arm and Taylor's ankle is why they went with Goodson. Because if you watch that route, man, he had to get out of there quick. And and I don't know that they trusted the other backs to get out there and get to the flat quick enough. Great call, Joe. Thank yeah. you. Good on call. this Monday morning, we were up against it. But on that timeout, yeah, Andy, I just thought all your eggs were in that basket. You 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 could have, you know, for what it's worth, probably gotten a minute twenty ish uh, back with no timeouts. Obviously, Minshew would have had to drive a decent. Length of the field. Boy, I also thought Houston's punter was low-key kind of good on Saturday. They just kept backing the Colts up. Back every time they're inside the 15-yard line. Every time. They they, they really controlled field position. All right, more of this coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Go to the week. We'll take your calls as well. We'll do that here to close things out. Yeah, hanging out on the drivehuber.com. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Um, Studios, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. KB and Andy hanging out with you. Another hour to go. We appreciate the reaction. 239-1070 here on this Monday. We'll get back a bunch of calls, loaded phone lines, 317-239-1070. We'll get to our goats of the week here in just a few minutes. Our five-word headlines. I uh, I did peek at the five-word headlines, guys. <laughs> there's, there's a couple. There's a couple on there, so we'll oh, get yeah. to that. A couple uh, not safe for work, I'm, I'm, I think, as I'm well. Sure. And a couple people that don't know what five Five words well, means they're writing full yeah, paragraphs. No, no. I'm like, easy. Well, they're upset. They're upset about what happened. Two things before we dive back to the phone lines and the game and everything else. Actually, a third. I should promote that we're going to try here. I, I What? 9-10, out might be too late for us, but Shane Steichen is supposed to meet with the media here at some point this hour, and if we can record that and get that to you, we will. Uh, if not, I'm sure the guys, uh, Query and Company, JMV, and then us tomorrow morning, you'll hear that sound, but again, uh, that is the plan as we go today. Just two quick things. Uh, looking at projected cap space, who has the most? Washington will have the most going into this offseason with 80 mil. The Indianapolis Colts at 72 mil are fourth on that list when we talk about projected money. Yeah, and I ahead. would say the first thought I have on that is how much of that goes to in-house. Because when you look at it, specifically I said Pittman earlier in the show, it is easily the most notable free agent list name, I think, of the Chris Ballard era. Honestly, you could probably go back to some of the Gregson era. Michael Pittman Jr., Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, Julian Blackman, Zach Moss, Gardner Minshew. I know you can make strong cases, honestly, to bring back any, if not all of those. But Andy, what comes with that too is they're going to merit some big time markets, I would think. Several of those guys. So, you know, 73 million, yeah. that's a big, big number. But again, in-house, there are a lot of guys that I think you would want to bring back. And several of them, I think, could also merit some markets elsewhere. So uh, this is easily... I think the most interesting couple of months stretch now leading into free agency. Again, we have not seen the franchise tag used since Pat McAfee in 2013, who was very unhappy when Ryan Grigson <laughs> placed that on him. I think there is a chance it gets used. And I have not said that at all, really, in recent off seasons. Of course, the question you would have with that is, let's say use it on Pittman. Yes, he's back. But now, do you get a little holdout situation? We saw a lot of guys with the oh, franchise sure. tag last yeah. year hold out. Wanting that long-term deal, is that something that Pittman would do as you lead into training camp in the yeah, preseason? Yeah, I'm a Pittman would be one, and then Blackman or more. I think you have to keep someone in that secondary. Uh, perhaps Blackman when you see the game on Saturday, and then you know if it's not Minshew, a competent backup quarterback is going to be needed. You see it? It's not me saying Anthony Richardson's missing 11 games next year, but with, with what you have seen through year number one, if you go in not having Minshew or a very, very good competent backup quarterback... Uh, uh, that's going to be on you. One last thing, because when I when I brought up the projected cap space, New England, not New England, uh, Indianapolis is fourth at seventy two mil. Right in, right in front of them was seventy four mil. Are the Houston Texans? Uh, so the team that just you know just beat you, just won the AFC South and everything else. And last thing I'll say on the Texans themselves, Kevin is, and, and man, and we talked about this earlier this season. The Texans, and this is this is not me. I'm giving a lot of qualifiers here. This is not me saying the Colts had a failure of a season or any. It's not even a negative take. It's just the fact that the Texans had the season that you wanted. 
the Texans, you know, you believe in Steichen. Well, they believe in D'Amico Ryans and the staff that he has put together. They were the dregs of football society. You know, so were you. So both of you did some good things. How you beat them earlier on in the season. But in the end, they go to the playoffs. They get to feel good to win the division. And they get to feel damn good about their quarterback. And that is still the thing with all of the good that happened this season and all of the achieving, the overachieving potentially that the Colts did. You didn't get to see too much of your quarterback. Uh, A lot of questions as we go into the offseason and health obviously being at the top of the list. So, you know, the Texans, they got to kind of live your season this year. And I hate hate saying it, but that's what it is. Yeah, and that that gets back to the storyline from a few months ago about how big of a kick and the you-know-what, it was that Anthony Richardson exited. I believe the total ended with 37 Colts. Andy played more snaps than Anthony Richardson. 37 wow. Colts. One of them was named Jacob Martin. <laughs> Do you know who Jacob Martin is? <laughs> Boy, that Sounds like a kid in my third grade class at Cherry Tree you Elementary. Should, you should have saved that for, uh, for Scotty for, uh, for a pop quiz uh, somewhere along the line. I, I, Do you believe... Okay, We do want to take some calls, but I brought this up earlier uh, in relation to a caller that we had. Do you believe the Shanes, because we have scar tissue, and understandably so, in this market of cap space means nothing. Just because you've got it doesn't mean that you're going to use a big chunk of it. Do you think a Shane second influence? Do you think a rock bottom of the 2022 season? Do you think that would lead to an altering of Chris Bowden's approach? Having said that, as I just said, $73 million in-house, that's a lot of money to be used on a lot of guys in your own building. So how much will be there for outside free agents remains to be seen. But do you think a Shane's second influence oh, I will think you have alter to. any plan for No, Chris I mean you're, you're trying to you're trying to win here and then on top of it, you know, the fans got it man, they got they got the taste back. They got the taste back of winning. Um and on top of it, you see the other teams in the division in the AFC South growing. And, you know, I mentioned Houston, who has seventy four mil and you have seventy two mil of free space. If they go out and make a couple different splash signings, I'm not saying you gotta overpay somebody. I'm not saying you go out and you bring in, you know, another running back, but you know, to think that to think that you would go like I think what they're going to need to do something at defensive back whether they keep the in-house guys or bring in some guys are going to have to do that you're going to have to have somebody else at wide receiver you're going to have to figure out tight end as well I mean I'm not saying you go out I'm not sure who would be there to spend a lot of money but uh you know you're going to have to do something at tight end Jelani Woods didn't play a snap this season, which is unbelievable. So pass rusher, you've mentioned, hey, you know, if uh, if pass rusher, I don't know how that changes with what they did this season. And I, I think for me, the you know, looking at defenders, it's going to come down to if you believe in Gus Bradley long term, you know, because each guy plays their own system, right? So it's not, do you believe in Gus Bradley for one more year? Do you believe in him to go out and sign, you know, a guy to a three, four, five-year deal, multiple-year deal to bring back somebody? If you change defensive coordinators, it may not, you know, Kenny Moore might not be as valuable as he has been this season. So I, the more you have talked about it, the Gus Bradley slash defensive scheme conversation is one that I'm not saying you got to get rid of Gus Bradley, but you have to decide if he's your guy. Yeah. You that better just, have the conversation. Yeah, that, that would be that, one of my first questions no, to Shane Sykin today. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, two, three, nine, 10, 70 Paul up next here on the fan reacting with you on this Monday, Paul fire away. 
How you guys doing? Good, Paul. Happy Monday, man. Yeah, not too happy, but it'll do. Uh, anyways, uh, Gardner Minshew will get a lot of blame for this game, and as well as he should. But on that last drive, the last two runs we had, I'm going to put the onus on Jonathan Taylor. Why did he run out of bounds on second and third down instead of cutting it up? Had he cut it up, we would have had the first downs and would not have been in that position. Um, Also, Gus Bradley is not the answer. I've been saying for years we've been too passive on defense. We've got to get aggressive because when we get aggressive and assert ourselves, they get to the quarterback and they flush at the quarterback. But too many times we've seen the team trying to be like other teams and get there with the front four. Don't do it with just the front four. When you get in the third and long, don't go to that stupid pre-big defense. I'm so tired of seeing that. Miami did that last night. That does not work. Get after the quarterback. Do what you've been doing to get to that situation and get off the field and get your offense back on the field. I'm just You know, I'm happy with the uh, progress that I saw with the Colts, but I'm so discouraged because we had everything right in front of us and we gave it away. Fellas, that's all I have. I will see you guys next year when the season starts because I do believe we are in the right situation once we get a better defensive coordinator to win everything, not just the division, but everything. Uh, Mailman Paul, we appreciate it. Two three nine ten seventy. Let me let me go back to what he said about Jonathan Taylor. I talked about this at seven thirty, and I agree with it for the most part. On that on that first down, okay, on that first down near the end of the game, as we were approaching uh, what the two minute warning. Is this right after the? No, this is right before the two minute warning. Uh, that first down. No, it's after. I apologize. That first down run. Jonathan Taylor got two yards. And he went out of bounds. I got caught up on him running out of bounds. I'm not as hot takey on that. But it does feel like, KB, he could have planted and went up the field. Yeah. There. Yeah, and you wonder how, how healthy. Sure. sure. I, and, you, and you wonder if maybe he's second-guessing himself. Again, all this has happened. It's very easy to, you know, me on my couch with the beer to have this conversation. But it felt like he could have put that left foot uh, in the turf and cut it up and got more yardage and stayed in bounds. The second down run that went on the other side of the field where he only got a couple yards, to me, to me, Kevin, I didn't feel that that he could have done that. I, I felt like he got about what was blocked, and that is, that's all that he was going to get. But I understand the conversation. And that's why when we've discussed the fourth and one play, I don't think you've heard me say too, too often, or ho- hopefully not at all, that Taylor had to have the ball and no one else had to have it. Like, it, there clearly was a little bit of, you know, whatever, hesitation. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say limp, but he just wasn't one, 100% and obviously was doubtful at one point to return to the game and did. Uh, but again, decoy, what about Pittman? What about Downs? What about Moss? I mean, you know, there are other options that you could go to ahead of Tyler Goodson there uh, as your, you know, whatever, fist string running back or whatever you want to label him 
as. I, I'm trying to think. So can we take? We can't take calls right now because Mark is out uh, figuring yeah, out. Does, Steichen, and again, so, we will relay any of the Shane Steichen yes, if he uh, says anything. Quotes, yeah. I do want to just because I, you know, I made a I made a list of things that affected the game negatively as well that weren't just the end of the game. Uh, you mentioned being backed up all day. I mean, it was the 10 yard line, the 12 yard line, the 11, the 15. It was it was all day. Um, the 57 yard field goal. We talked about that. Nico Collins. We've talked about that as well. Uh, it was the first half, was it not? Uh, it could have been the second half. Good God. The missed touchdown to Mo Alley Cox. and yeah, the video the double pump. Yeah, the mm-hmm. video that is now circulated around the internet where Shane Steichen said, we had it, that's on you. I thought that was just an intro. I mean, that was a touchdown. Yeah, or that was first and goal, right? Yeah, I mean, that play. was that was right there. If you want to say, well, Allie Cox, you know, he's not a burner down the sideline with the best of hands, so you're throwing to a marginal receiver there. I understand. It's also a game of inches. Gardner Minshew missed that throw by two inches. That's what he did. Yeah, again, I thought Minshew was awful. He's terrible. I, I, th- I thought he was awful, and that to me provides context around the fourth and one because in that moment, context matters. You've played a. 58-minute game up until that point. What you script on a Wednesday in practice is different. A, some guys are hurt. Uh, Braden Smith, by the way, the loss of Braden Smith, someone tweeted this out to me. If you look at the running numbers after he exited, that that was a notable loss within the game. Obviously, he had played through a lot throughout the season. Uh, but context matters. Writing the hot hand matters. Uh, who's on the field? What has worked earlier in the game? Those things are all very important. Just because you drilled something endlessly on a Wednesday or Thursday doesn't mean that, lo and behold, with two minutes to go in the game, it's going to work flawlessly. And catching a pass, you know, whatever, in the shadows of Eagle Creek on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon is a little different than catch, catching a pass right. in front of 60,000 after a timeout with all the bright lights on you on that stage as well. Two three nine ten seventy. Sean up next here on this Monday on The Fan. Sean, good morning, man. Fire away. Hey, it's John. Uh, uh, first of all, welcome, uh, Andy. Long Appreciate overdue. It. And uh, Kevin, hello again. This is uh, John. We met at the fan. Arizona game. fan, John, right? That's right. And um, I agree with the last caller. Gus Bradley needs to go. I said that last year that he needs to go. He is horrible. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing if he doesn't get the head coaching job. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, fellow Wildcat Antonio Pierce get the uh, – uh, coordinator job. Um, as far as that fourth down play, though, I don't have a problem with Goodson being in or the play. It's that it was Goodson getting the play. You could have done a run up the middle for Goodson, um, just like the brother, brotherly shove. You needed one yard. That's it. You have a, an all-pro guard. You just run right behind him and push it. Or you go to a tight end or whatever if you're going to go with the pass play. And that's just it. Inexperience, yeah, I think, and, on our coach. John, thank you for that. You know, I think there's something to add, too, Andy. Again, it's, you know, the second highest paid offensive line in all of football. Um, you know, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly behind those two on that play. I mean, there is a little bit of me that's like, boy, with how Chris Bauer does want to build this team, if you were to tell him, if you convert a fourth and one with two minutes to go, in week 18 of the season, and you probably go to the playoffs, he would he'd the, be salivating. The hog mollies. He'd be foaming at yeah. the mouth. Going and behind so, the hog mollies. And, and again, I don't think that building that right way, or that way, is the correct way, but that's how you've built. And then in that moment, you deviate from that. You don't go to that when 
it's you have ran it over what, what they have over 200 yards of rushing in the game. So that's another element of me like, wait a minute, you do all this building, and then all of a sudden you get in the point in time where it's like the biggest moment of the season, and you don't do that. And it's not like if you go back and look at what Houston's formation looked like before that snap, like you didn't really see a whole lot of jumbo package look from Houston. They didn't have their linebackers right there over Ryan Kelly saying, no, 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 we think there could be Goodson up the middle here. Um, So it's not like you got a a, a heavy run look from Houston's defense in that moment. What if Steichen would have went (laughs) tush-push? Now that has not worked for this team when they have tried it. To do 3-9-10-70, Mo up next here on this Monday on the fan. Mo, good morning. Fire away. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good morning. Happy Monday. Um, so I, I think my problem with the play – so I had no problem with the play call. I think the play call was a perfect play call. Obviously, it was schemed up right. He was wide open. I think it was more of a personnel issue. So I'm trying to take an optimistic outlook into the new year saying, hey, we got the right guy. He's calling the right plays. He knows how to use his players. Uh, it's just a matter of getting the right personnel on the field next time, and I think it probably would have uh, played out a little bit differently. Um, so that's one point. The other thing I want to just add in, guys, please don't be mad at me. I just want to double down on what Greg Rakestraw said uh, last week. I really don't think Purdue's getting enough coverage, guys. We're talking about the number one team in the country multiple weeks in a row. I think obviously not today. Today's probably not the appropriate day for it, but would love some more coverage on the Boilermakers. I think Matt Painter, the job that they're doing is absolutely phenomenal, um, and it's something we should celebrate. We're talking about the best of something that we have here in the state of Indiana. Let's celebrate them, even though they're not maybe, uh, you know, the the Hoosiers in Bloomington. Mo, thank you for the call. Appreciate that. Certainly tons of Purdue coverage upcoming as well. Really enjoyed our, our uh, Matt Painter conversation uh, right before that Arizona game. Did want to share a couple of Shane Steichen-related comments from his presser. Again, this is going on right now, the end-of-the-year press conference on the fourth and one play, Steichen says he has not stopped thinking about that play. Reiterates he oh, liked I'm the sure. look and I'm what sure. the Colts got. As far as staff changes or Gus Bradley is concerned, Shane says this, and I quote, again, relaying these comments from the variety of reporters that are out there. I believe in continuity. I'll just say that. Uh, on Gus Bradley, I've worked with Gus for four years. I believe in continuity. I have tons of confidence in Gus. Okay, so Colts fans love Shane Steichen, and they may disagree with the fourth down call or the timeouts or whatever it may be, how the season ended, right? Like, people are not going to be happy about that. But overall, the man who has received the most praise this season for the Colts, whether it be team, player, Ballard, Ursay, anybody, has been Shane Steichen. This is, if I'm not mistaken, Kevin, this is the first time where he is telling the fan base something that they fundamentally disagree with. I mean, I would say the numbers are extremely high on, hey, let's try someone else other than Gus Bradley. Yeah, and I would also say this. Um, as much as I don't like the approach that Gus Bradley has defensively, again, I want a guy that, no, 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 you dictate to us. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to disguise. We're going to play a variety of looks. You're going to sit there on a Tuesday night and you're going to say, damn, what the hell are the Colts going to throw at us this week? Like, that's what I like. I don't think the personnel is walking into a five, you know, whatever, five-star restaurant, and you've got all the ingredients that you could want in that kitchen. Um, So I think that is important context to have when discussing Gus Bradley as well. Um, I think this is a big critical moment in the Shane Sykin era, though. And 
you know, how do you want your defense? Do you want it to be complimentary or do you want it to be championship level? Can Gus Bradley play a complimentary defense and have that? Yeah, I think he can. Can he coordinate a championship level defense? I've got questions there. And that's, I think, a question that Shane Sykin must look in the mirror and discuss here because, you know, this is, I think, the time to make this sort of move. You know, it's your first full off season. You haven't really gotten your fingerprints too much on. There's a lot you of know, free agents on the team. Yeah. Massive a lot staff of free changes. Agents. There are a lot of free agents as well. Um, I would think this would be a time to look long and hard at that. You've got the cap space, you've got, you know, a decently high draft pick. You're obviously hoping to be drafting a little bit later in future years as well. And I don't think you want Shane to fall into a trap. And I thought Frank Reich fell into this trap. I thought Frank Reich fell into a trap too often of, now the defense isn't really under me. Another guy runs that. I handle the offense. No, no, no. You're the head coach. Right. You decide what philosophy you want defensively. Do you see that with Steichen? I'm not sure well, I do, but we're going to find out, perhaps? That's. I think that's a fair statement. Yeah. But philosophically... They are two very different coaches sure. in how they handle their respective units. Now, there are some coaches out there offensively that say, no, 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 I like that on defense. I like the, we're not going to get beat deep, which, hell, I feel like the Colts, I mean, just look at the first play, I feel like the Colts got beat deep a whole lot this year. There are some offensive coaches that that, that like that uh, for their defensive coordinator there. Uh, but again, I, I think I think this is a, just a point in time in Steichen's tenure where if you're going to make a move like this, do it now. Do it early. Do it when you have some flexibility in the offseason to make some moves and see what happens here. Uh, let's dive into it. Let's dive into our GOATs of the weekend, the good and bad that was this weekend. Fire away. Who is the GOAT? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's here today! That's why he's the GOAT! Go! Or goat. This guy sucks. Of the week. So who had a really good weekend and who had a really bad weekend? Let's start with the good. KB, fire away. You want to go? The good is the decision by one and only Jameis Winston to say, (laughs) screw the kneel down. We're going for the touchdown. And Arthur Smith, you're going to whine and then you're going to pack your bags because you will be fired at 12.01 a.m. I not only love the decision by Jameis Winston, I love the post-game press conference from him in explaining how he looked at the guys in the huddle and this was a team decision. They decided to go for this (laughs) touchdown here in lieu of the kneel down. Uh, I'm reminded that Jameis is still in the NFL, first off, and I'm reminded that we need this dude to be a starting quarterback because you get some moments like this. So so my greatest goat of the weekend. uh, You're damn right. I I thought about going for the first snow of the year because I did love the kids getting outdoors and doing a uh, uh, our version of sledding is right. the most intense thing in the world. I love that on Saturday morning. And then I saw Jameis be Jameis, and I decided to change. Uh, I love Jameis, and they got what Jamal Williams, who had like 17 touchdowns last year. He had none this year. Jameis acted like he was like the walk-on that like hasn't gotten in all year. Did you see, by the way, Chris Jones of the Chiefs got a touchdown, which gave him like a mil? A sack, right? Or, a sack, no, yeah. Yeah, my bad, goodness. Uh, a sack, which got him like a mil, mil and a half. He ran off the field after getting that sack. His teammates went nuts No, but here's the thing. They did, and it was a funny scene. He ran off at 14 and a half miles per hour, which at the time was the second fastest player <laughs> of the week in the NFL. 
Chris Jones getting that. Mm-hmm. I I love I love everything about Jameis Winston. Atlanta crying about it, then Atlanta getting fired, uh, and everything else. I was gonna go with the Buffalo Bills. They've won six of seven. They've won five in a row. They've won now the AFC East. They have sent Miami back. Uh, what the six seed now Miami, and all of that is funny. But I'm gonna do something for Mark Dighton. Montez Sweat led the Chicago Bears and the mm-hmm. Washington Commanders both this season in sacks. First player in history to do that. <laughs> First player in the history of the league to lead two teams. Uh, I would say this, boy, it looks like they it looks like the Bears robbed another team. That's what it looks like. Yeah. They got a pretty good deal mm-hmm. for him. So that's my go to the week. Well, Mark? I'm going to try not to throw up in my mouth when I say this, but oh my boy. good is the disgusting display that Jordan Love has put on Ugh. the Bears in two performances. He can play a little football, can he? Yeah, he's slinging it all over the place. He had like every receiver had like 11 yard gaps between the secondary. I don't know what Matt Eberflus's defense was doing. Uh, I really hope that the Packers haven't walked into a third straight like really good quarterback. But the two the two performances against the Bears he's had was a disgustingly good performance, and it it sickens me to say that. The other one was also Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson Wentz. How about that? There's 16 rushes for 56 yards and a touchdown. (laughs) Helped the Rams beat the 49ers. That was a blast from the past. Can we get, is it possible to get Carson Wentz at Philly, or is that not possible? Was it possible that Carson Wentz is your backup next year for Minshew leaves? No, no, stop that. Stop that. That's what I was thinking. no. That There's not enough alcohol in Indianapolis for that to be possible well, here. We'll test that. Uh, all right, we'll my see. negative goat of the weekend, and this is a precursor for tonight. Are we going to get a football game that starts at 730, and are we going to get no. it to be over in three hours? No. Because college football games eight, take ten, nine hours. Yeah, 8, 10, 8, 15. The game, yeah, Harbaugh will be hosting being the trophy at 11, 45. And, and, you know, whatever. Tomorrow night <laughs> we're going to watch, what, is it Purdue that has a 9 o'clock tip yeah. tomorrow? So that's going to bleed late oh, into the night. Brutal. But I would just like for a 7.30 kick, like it says right now on ESPN, I'd like for that to happen. <laughs> and I would like for college football, like with NFL games, you know you're in a three-hour yeah, time You're frame. done at 4 o'clock, yeah. I know. Listen, Why can't I'm with we you. do that with college football? I, listen, I'm with you. I mean, they've sped up games a tad yeah, not by, really. by, by you know not stopping after a first down. The problem they have is these halftime, the halftime is way too long. The halftime is just wait. It's like double the NFL. It feels like well, that's and, one of the and biggest we, problems. And we can't have the clock stopping. Well, I mean, at that, all yeah, that's time. the case. My, my, listen. I think they might be done. I don't think this guy's going to lose his job, but he's making it interesting. Nick Sirianni and the Eagles have lost five out of six now. Is a cratered. Oh, I had a stat. I mean, they started this season KB ten and one on the year, and they basically had everything wrapped up. And there you go. And they've lost to like bad teams. They've lost to Seattle, who wasn't a playoff team. They've lost to the Cardinals, and they got blown out by the Giants yesterday. The only the only win they have in the last month, month and a half, is winning. In Philly, uh, over the Giants. I mean, they are—they're done. I, now, I'm AJ surprised Brown how avoided, done they are. Avoided a serious injury, though. I saw AJ Brown got hurt, and then uh, Jalen Hurts hurt his finger, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh J- man, Jalen Hurts finger. Was out. Yeah. Oh Ooh. yeah, he jammed. You know, it was it's all, ugly. Si- it's yeah, all yeah, sideways yeah. and stuff like that. So, so they are at Tampa. They are which Monday is, night. That's the Monday night, yep. which is super game. interesting. I don't know what to do with that with that game. And Tampa was nothing special. I mean nine nothing or whatever it was. I mean they 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 would have played anyone but Carolina. They would have gagged their season away like the fraud Jacksonville Jaguars did, which was great. Mark, my bad. Oh. Is the Pittsburgh Steelers being a playoff team? How on earth Without did TJ this happen? Watt. Without TJ Watt, they stunk most of the season. Their offense was outgained and outscored the majority of the season. Yet they find themselves in the postseason. 
At no point did I think they were a playoff <laughs> team. Their QBs stink. And please make this a quick and painless death because I don't want to see any more Steelers football. And now we have it at 1 p.m. against the Bills on Sunday. Please get them out of the playoffs. So, again, the NFL schedule for this weekend. I do love the venom that comes out. There's a lot of venom. During uh, during goat venom. time on a week uh, weekend, we got basis. Okay, Browns and Texans will get things started. Speaking of venom, that's certainly salt, meat, and wounds there. That's 4.30 on Saturday. Uh, 8 o'clock Saturday night is Chiefs Dolphins from Arrowhead. That's Tyreek Hill back to Arrowhead. Again, we saw these teams meet in Germany earlier this season. And then Sunday's triple header is this. As Mark said, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Dallas hosting the Packers. Those are two touchdown favorites for the home teams in Buffalo and Dallas. And the nightcap, Matthew Stafford back to Detroit for that one. Obviously a juicy storyline there. And then we will round out Wild Card Weekend with Eagles and Bucks on Monday. That'll be ESPN. That'll be a little Manning cast action there. You have a strong thought on any of these games? Like someone you're saying, okay, this team's definitely winning. This team's definitely losing. Anything? Any of these stick out to you? Would Bills over Steelers probably be the first one? I am very like into CJ Stroud versus Joe Flacco. Yeah. Imagine saying that two and a half months ago. I got Cleveland in that game. And that's a, that, that's a coin flip game yep, right sure now with where those two teams are at. Um, what Kansas City shows up, what Miami shows up in a game that could be freezing cold. Well, that's why you can't take Miami so in the is cold, that, can you? you know, Isaiah Pacheco running yeah, it. You I mean, know, yeah. Can Miami run it all? Um, and and you know, Cowboys-Packers. I mean, selfishly, I, I've got the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl, so I've got a financial stake in Oof. that. But... Oof. Is there anything there? Mike McCarthy? <laughs> Matt LaFleur? I, I hope there's Jordan Mark, Love on the road? I, I hope there's something there from Dallas Jordan Love and Dallas is a touchdown company. favorite? That's our highest over-under, by the way. The I also think people keep forgetting. They're like, oh, Matthew Stafford returns to take on his old team. Well, Jared Goff is facing his old team, too. People keep forgetting yeah. that he was well, part no of that deal. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. the home element, of course. But they got rid of Jared Goff because they didn't think he could win the Super Bowl. So maybe he wants a little revenge on there, too. I- what with what happened yesterday? The Lions having injuries. They lost their big tight end Laporta, and he's going to be out for multiple weeks. So he's not going to be playing in this game. I think, I think I feel most confident about the Rams beating the Lions, and I say that as loving Dan Campbell and all of his ridiculousness going forward on fourth down and everything else. I just think the I think the Rams are going to walk in. I think they're going to win that game. It's too perfect. Finally, the Lions win the division, and they get the primetime home playoff game, and they get the one team they really didn't want to see, and that's Matthew Stafford. Yeah, that to me is the game that I've circled Yeah, of of all the wild card games. That's the one. I think on and off the field. I think it'll be a hell of a game on the field as well. All right, uh, it is time for a morning check down. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, 23-19, that is your final Saturday night there in Lucas Oil. The Texans win. They go to 10-7, and the Colts 9-8. and And because Jacksonville stunk it up yesterday, the Texans win the AFC South. A ton, a ton, obviously, has been made over the fourth down call. Tyler Goodson knows he's not a failure. Here's Goodson postgame. I worked too hard to, you know, just drop the ball like that. Man. I gotta accept that over and that's okay. But it's still touch my hands. It's all good. It's all good. Touch my hands. Uh, but next year, I won't be in that position ever again. I know I'm not a failure. Um, I'm gonna just state that. Uh, but I felt a lot of love from the teammates. Uh, everybody telling me to keep my head up, but me just being me, I'm always hard on myself. Um, and I know I could have made that play, and that play should have been made. Um, so 
uh, I just got to go back to the drawing board, just keep working, working on my craft, and come back next year even better. All right, so there's Goodson. We haven't heard yet from Minshew. Here's Gardner Minshew after the game on that fourth down call. I had a good look, kind of a pick play for Goody. Shoot, I mean, I think it was just a tough play, man. I think there's about a million of those, you know, one play, what ifs uh, in that game. Uh, I wish I would put a better ball on him, you know, giving us a better chance. Um, yeah, it's a hard way to go, man. Uh Sorry, I'm reading some of these Michael Pittman Jr. quotes, some interesting comments from him we on get locker a, we room get, clean out. We get anything good? We can, uh, we can get into that maybe here afterwards. Uh, you know, felt terrible for Goodson postgame. He was beyond emotional, Andy. And, and I thought you know he handled it great. I thought Taylor handled it great, all the parties involved. But um, I, I do want to make sure, and I think it's an encouraging sign for 2024. Was that not vintage Jonathan Taylor? I mean, that, that jump cut on the 49-yard touchdown, um, he was incredible. On Saturday night, almost single-handedly. I mean, name me the second best player for the Colts on Saturday night. Oh goodness! I mean, I'd like, have to it, go it, the I have to go the offensive line and like the pro football focus numbers, wouldn't you? It's just I mean, such a drop off from individual wow. guys that, that 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 really showed up for you. And part of that is Taylor was so so impressive there. So it is locker room clean out. Uh, we'll relay some of those comments here coming up here in a bit. Uh, tonight over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it's Pacers and Celtics round two. These two teams played Saturday. Lowest scoring game of the season for the Pacers as their six-game win streak comes to a close. Rick Carlisle going to join us coming up tomorrow on the show. A split for Indiana this weekend. They put up 50 assists, a franchise record, on Friday night as they beat the Hawks. So they'll close out their homestand here tonight and Wednesday with the Wizards. And then uh, curious how they respond with, with Boston tonight. And the injury situations for Bruce Brown and Andrew Nemhard as well. Boy, that over in the Hawks game hit pretty, pretty, pretty early. You were good in the late third quarter. You had already hit. You'd already moved on quickly. College basketball, Indiana and Purdue winners over the weekend. Indiana 71-65 over Ohio State. Rutgers tomorrow night. Purdue sinking Illinois 83-78 there in Nebraska tomorrow night. And Butler falling to UConn 88-81. Now three straight losses in Big East play for Thad Mata and company. They're back on the road. Gets no easier at Marquette on on Wednesday, and then college football national title game tonight. Michigan favored by about five and a half points over Michael Penix and Washington. And as KB said, he prays and hopes that starts by 7.30, but it probably will start at 8.15. We're going to Pacers Celtics tonight. Oh, we, nice. We, I don't think we're staying the whole time, but if we leave like mid-fourth quarter, where do you think that game is going to be at national championship-wise? You might miss by the time you get home. You I might have. be in the yeah. You might be in the late second quarter, probably mid to late second quarter. God, I would hope I would hope we're farther than that, but I doubt we will. By the be. way, I don't know when we'll have time for it. The Michael Penix story. I think a lot of people here in this market know it, but I was reading something on the Athletic about him. Uh, just some unbelievable color in describing Pittman or Pittman, uh, Michael Penix in his time at Indiana. Uh, there was an anecdote in there where that uh, Penix shared that. There were times on game day, and remember, he tours ACL twice mm-hmm. in Indiana, other injuries as well. He would wait for his roommate to leave hotel wherever, and he said he'd go on the ground, pray to God, and got emotional to keep me healthy during games. He was that scared of getting hurt in 
football games. Now, somewhere there's an, a, a, a joke there about the Indian offensive line and everyone praying <laughs> for that during the game. But in all seriousness, like imagining well, Michael sure. Penix Jr. going from that was, moment. His career, he thought his career was over. And, and physical pain, sure. too, not just whatever, poor play. And it's not like he had poor play, but whatever. It's not like losing seasons, per se. And now, fast forward to his emotions tonight on the grandest stage and the opportunity to deliver a national title. I have only seen him, and this is from the college football playoff, since his performance, and stupid that, why would one performance do this? And I would agree. Every mock draft I have seen that's been post the first game in the college football playoff has had him as a first-rounder, KB. Every single one. Really? Yeah, I haven't seen one. I'm sure they're listen. I'm sure they're out there, but every single one that uh, that is updated between the semifinals and tonight's game has had Michael Penix Which as is a, a first round cha- draft pick. I say really because that's a big change from how. What is? Yeah, the narrative has been on him. A lot yeah. of people have had him kind of like a mid round pick. Sure. Uh, with that. All right. On the other side, we'll share some of those Michael Pittman Jr. comments. Locker room cleanout for the Colts happening right now. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. That's the best thing Kevin Bowen's ever said to me. He said, hey, there's some Cheetos out there, some bags of Cheetos. You you crush that entire bag? Oh, yeah. Well, it's one of those small bags, one of those lunch bags that you would send the kids to school. It was glorious. But nonetheless. And I just, I I, I did the bag right to the mouth. You really did. No Cheeto fingers on the laptop You you were like, you know how pelicans eat where they just throw the food down their gullet, basically? That's almost how you were. Uh, this you morning. did inhale those. I didn't even see you <laughs> chew at all. Jo- Joseph Chestnut would be proud of that effort. That's fantastic. Right there. Uh, 239 We'll try to mix in a couple more calls. We still have our five-word headlines as well. Uh, it is, like his Black Monday in the NFL. What do we have? Ron Rivera, you know, cleaning house there in Washington. The GM in Carolina is gone. Arthur Smith fi- fired either late last night or very early this morning. Uh, so he is gone as well. Bill Belichick uh, sounded this morning reading a lot of Twitter that you know he wants to be back in New England and would even maybe give up being the general manager to coach there uh, in New England. Will that be enough for the ownership group there with Robert Kraft? We shall see. But right now, we gave you some Steichen quotes. What's my, Michael Pittman is uh, meeting with the media. What is what has Pitt said as he gets ready to uh, break the bank, you would imagine, here in the next few months? Yeah, and I would just say this first, uh, just to go back to the Shane Steichen comments uh, in relation to any Gus Bradley-related uh questions that he got from earlier today he stressed continuity he stressed four years of Gus Bradley and he really appreciates you know what Gus has you know done and it it definitely did not sound like a I need to evaluate everyone or you know that sort of comment that you can sometimes get in these locker room clean out days on the Michael Pittman front here a couple of quotes of note relaying these from the various reporters out there, uh, Pittman says this, Shane really had confidence in me as a player. They leaned on me at times. That's what I wanted my whole career. Uh, as of right now until March, I'm still a Colt. Loved my four years here. Wouldn't be doing due diligence if I didn't look at options out there. Uh, in terms of the franchise tag, Pittman said this, I don't think anybody would be displeased with $23 million. That is the franchise tag number for wideouts. Uh, notes that you can still work out a long-term deal on the tag. Hmm. Says he's looking for the right fit for a person of my 
skill set. Again, the Colts can tag him, and he's back. Uh, of course, you've got to get to that long-term deal. And, you know, I think Pittman is a guy that really appreciates what Shane Steichen's done for Amandi. I think Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard really, really like him, and I have not said that about all Colts free agents, certainly. But at the same time, his dad played running back in the NFL for 10 years. You think his dad knows something about value and money and worth? Uh, if they don't tag him, I think Pittman will look long and hard about other options that are out there, as he should. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of attractiveness to Indy. Seems like he really has enjoyed Indy as a home as well. He's got a couple young kids, uh, big, big property. So, yeah. Is it overwhelming the number of fans that want him back? Or is it more, if you don't bring Pittman back, you better go get someone who is at least as good as him and then another free agent and or someone who can play right away in the draft. I mean, if we're talking about building around Anthony Richardson, it's difficult for me to say that Alec Pierce is for sure a part of the future here. Uh, Like, in other words, that he is your number two wide receiver, if you will, on the outside. I'm not willing to say that after this season. I understand Gardner Minshew couldn't get the ball over top to him, but you know, to to me, where is where do you think Pittman is? He he's number one on the Colts list. Is he number one with a bullet? I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, I, to I mean, me, he is. There's a caveat. I, I think if we had this conversation this time last year, it'd be pretty split on people wanting Pittman back or not. Uh, just watch the Atlanta game if you want to see this offense without him. Um, I think now the overwhelming majority of people want him back. Now they're going to hear 23 million. And that's going to disgruntle a whole lot of people, understandably. Well, you're going to have to get over it. To a degree, to but like, welcome to NFL yeah. finances in the yeah. year 2024. Dude, they had 100 catches, 1,000 um, yards. Yeah, I mean, what are we doing? I've always said this about you know Pittman and the wideout group. You bring him back and you still look and you still add. You know, there is, and I remember doing this exercise earlier in the year. I would have to do it again, but it was a few weeks ago, Andy. I looked up all the top receivers in the NFL this year from a receiving yard standpoint. And I believe you had to get to DeAndre Hopkins wherever he was at that time. Let's say he was, I think he was like 16th or 17th on the list. You had to get to Hopkins at 16 or 17 to find the first wideout not drafted or traded to that team on the list. Basically, free agent wideouts yeah, they don't exist, right? Do not exist right. and or they don't exist and then go to a place and become your number one guy. So if you let Pittman walk. Be prepared for the consequences of you scrambling. And, you know, I will say this for the umpteenth time, not only this offseason, but in future offseasons. The last thing you can do to Anthony Richardson is shortcut or skimp him at skill positions. Um, to me, the biggest storyline entering this year was Anthony Richardson's development. To me, the biggest storyline of, of this offseason is supporting Anthony Richardson. First and foremost, support him. So, um, again, I think the Colts can get something done with Pittman. I do. A franchise tag is in your back pocket if you like it, but at the same time, if Chris Ballard wants to play stringent value type of guy, which I don't think he will with Pittman, uh, Pittman's going to look. Two things on Pittman. Number one, he wasn't anti the tag there, especially running backs are very open with, no, nah, I don't want to play under a tag. I want a He'll long-term be deal. If you don't get well, a long-term uh, deal yeah, done. Exactly. That, that's, that's the only thing to remember, but his early comments are not, you know, Hey, the battle lines are drawn. I'm not going to be in here. I'm not going to be around the team. And the other thing I would say is even though, it wasn't a great offensive game for the Colts, including, you know, Pittman, Minshew, and every, everything else that happened on Saturday. You know, Pittman, again, made a catch, knew he was going to get hit, got lit up, 
and got right back up and took his ass back to the huddle. Did he not? And, and you have been his toughness, he, like the kind of player he is with an edge. That to me, that that to me is what makes him good. Yeah, you know, slash great. However you want to put it, what makes him unique yeah, at that position? In, in, in replacing that, it's not just the catches. There is some attitude there. There is some edge there that not everybody has at that position, and he has it. No USC pretty boy in Michael Pittman Jr. I've said that for years now, and will continue to say that. All right, we'll do it one final time here. Wake up call, KB and Andy. All right, going to get to your post-game headlines here uh, in just a few moments. Appreciate everyone joining the show today, all the callers. I know we didn't get to everybody, uh, but we do appreciate the uh, the banter back and forth. If you want to go back, check out the podcast on the podcast center, 1075thefan.com. Go ahead and download the free app. Check us out on YouTube as well. About, by the way, how was TV last night with my man Chernoff? Yeah. Sure, dog. I saw you guys. Yeah. Well, jealous things out here. Yeah. Always fun being in studio with him. So, yeah, the Wish TV run for me comes to a close. What time? Uh, season. What, yeah, what time do you do that at night? It's like, what, uh, so 9 o'clock or that, so? Uh, a little after 8, 10, okay. 20 is when it aired. So, so it's not too bad. Well, yeah. I was wondering, when, when, you, when are you going to be home, you know? That's what I was worried about. You, <laughs> you sound your, like Maddie. Getting your beauty sleep before a big show today. It's a big Monday show. I didn't watch <laughs> Oon play of Bill's Dolphins. So <laughs> Next I, season I will be a full head of hair for Kevin Bowen. The I'm gonna, uh, modern day Jesus, the luscious yeah. locks of KB. <laughs> the the NFL got nuked yesterday because when Jacksonville spit the bit, and no one cares about Jacksonville, so when they lost to the Tennessee Titans, it meant the Steelers stopped sweating and they were in. It also meant the Bills knew going into Sunday Night Football that they were in. And that ruined it for me. I wanted to go into Sunday night football, even though I really love to see Jacksonville lose. I, you know, the the fun part would have been going into Sunday night football, KB, with the Bills having a chance to win the AFC East or still not make the postseason and have the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have been waiting since Saturday afternoon and night, to continue to wait to almost the wee hours of Monday morning. But we didn't get any of that. The Bills and Dolphins both knew they were going to be in no matter what. That's where I think they botched the Colts and Texans beyond on Saturday night because that game was win or go home. So that's why I think they could have easily had that be the Sunday night game because there was actual stakes where one of those teams was going to end their season the other one would go to the playoffs. Didn't yesterday just kind of lack drama? Dude, no drama whatsoever. I mean, you know, yeah, Jazz-Titans ending was, you know, at least okay. something yeah, in the something. fourth quarter, but still, I thought, you know, Green Bay, I, I know Chicago had a moment or two, but you still, you didn't really get much there, so... Yeah, kind of a quiet week 18 for the NFL. Yeah, I mean, the, even like the NFC East, the Eagles got blown out. They were done. Uh, the Cowboys were doing the crushing on that side. The Bears almost were going to make it close. Like They, they tried to kind of get in there. No one cared about the Browns and Bengals. Uh, Lions were up double figures much of much of the game. Jets-Patriots was terrible. Saints-Falcons was terrible. Bucks-Panthers was terrible. Nobody cared about Broncos-Raiders. So, yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, it was Saturday games not too bad you ready to get into these headlines let's do it, do it? All right, let's go. I can't read it. There's no there's no words on it. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. Ripped from the headlines of the newspaper. Oh. We'll do it live! F*** it. Post-game headlines. F***ing thing sucks! I'm stunned. Ben Scott on Twitter, Bass Freak Ben, says, I'm hopeless of the future. 
Oh, wow. Hopeless. <laughs> Gosh. Wasn't that last year when Nick Foles was the quarterback convulsing on the ground next to Kayvon Thibodeau? Wasn't that the time to also be hopeless? Also sounds like a line you hear at the end of a season of a soap opera. <laughs> like, to be continued. Uh, how about this one from Kyle? I like it. Cutesy gets you kabootsy. Too much? Is that trying too hard? I, mean, I, I thought it was yeah, pretty good by some words. It's it's good. No, it's good. No, it's good. Steichen is a younger Reich. Aaron Schmelling oh, said boy. played with house money Saturday. Uh, uh, Kevin Self that. said weren't supposed to be here. Michael Wardell probably speaks for a lot of us. I am hungover and sad. <laughs> no yeah, kidding. How about this from Jason? Stop playing junior high defense. And then we also had one that said, put Gus on outbound bus. That's a solid one. I like that one. Yeah. Any rhyming mechanism, uh, you got to appreciate. Yeah. Well, plus Gus and bus, Gus bus. That used to be Gus Malzahn. Everyone get on the Gus bus. If you remember him back is, in Auburn. Isn't a little Gus Edwards? Maybe know, Gus, the, maybe Gus Ravens, Edwards. Uh, Colts always lose these games. I will say that is the one, that's one of the main takeaways is... You know, uh, un- unfortunately, even though they were underdogs and they overachieved at times, they had a chance at the end. What losers of three of the last five? Is that what it was? Losers of three of the last five and the game against the Texans. That's how a lot of fans are going to feel. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, pretty big audience today. If you missed anything, that'll be up on the podcast. And Rick Carlisle tomorrow at eight is the hope there. Uh, big one tonight for the Pacers and obviously the College Football National Championship as well. Some interesting comments, locker room clean out. We'll recap some of those coming up on tomorrow's show as well. For Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, and Mark Dykton, thank you everybody for listening. We'll talk to you.